episode three of My Name is Matt. My name is Sean. And my name is Keith. This week's movie is 1988's Die Hard, directed by John McTiernan, starring Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, Reginald Bell Johnson, Paul Gleason, William Atherton, Hart Bachner, James Shigeta, Alan Rickman, and Devereaux White. Die Hard is a 1988 American action thriller film. Die Hard gets a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 3.9 out of 5. It gets an 8.2 on IMDb and a 3.79 on Rate Your Music. How about a plot synopsis? <laughs> I think we should do a plot synopsis. Yeah, <laughs> how about cool it? With that. Yeah. NYPD cop John McClane goes on a Christmas vacation to visit his family. His wife, Holly, in Los Angeles, where she works for the Nakatomi Corporation. While they're at the Nakatomi headquarters for a Christmas party, a group of bank robbers led by Hans Gruber take control of the building and hold everyone's hostage, with the exception of John. While they plan to perform a lucrative heist, unable to escape, unable to escape with no immediate police response, John is forced to take matters into his own hands. This is bad. Yeah, it's a little mangled. It's not. It's not as bad as some of the other ones. Yeah, One Magic Christmas was worse. <laughs> One Magic Christmas was a lot worse. So many commas. Yeah. Oh my god. Damn, that was hilarious. That was pretty funny. That was that was like Claudio classic territory. Yeah. It was a classic in my book. I wonder if it was Claudio <laughs> classic. Oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll run into him <laughs> sooner or later. I bet. From the yeah. may have already we just don't know about. I'm gonna go back and check. <laughs> keep a Claudio tab running. Yeah. <laughs> On this show, Claudio Counter. Claudio yeah. Counter. Yeah. We gotta keep the tradition alive. That's yeah, right. let's get a chalkboard up here. Yeah, take a, take a hash mark. Have an official time. chalkboard. <laughs> so, guys, what is your history with Die Hard? So, I watched it when I was sick on Netflix, like, like probably five years ago, something like yeah, that. It's the first time you've seen it. Yeah, that was great. This was the second time I watched it. Second time ever. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, well, times now maybe like a like a bits and pieces kind of deal or yeah, all right, something like that. My right. history, I love this movie. This is like in my wheelhouse for action movies. Uh, when I think of a good action movie, this is like one that goes to my mind straight away. I no watch... notes. No right notes. Now. Oh yeah, no, I don't need notes for this. Out the steel trap this time around. It's all yeah. up here. No, <laughs> yeah. this movie, like some other movies I've seen, just ingrained into my brain forever. I can't get rid of the information, so ingrained I'll use brain. it for for this. <laughs> Actually, comes in handy for a change. Nice. Yeah. All right. Cool. So my history, I am the I guess Die Hard virgin. I have I have seen bits and pieces of the first three Die Hard films. I think the the one I'd seen the most of was actually the third one, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think I, I saw one scene of this movie, and I was kind of like, eh, is this Die Hard? I think it might be Die Hard. But it's, it was a scene where um, Al, Al Simmons? I don't know. Al something, played by Reginald Bell Johnson, he goes into Nakatomi, and he talks to that guy with like the Texas accent about, I got 50, he's like, I got 50 bucks riding on this game. And I, as far as I know, that's the only part of this movie I'd ever seen. I saw it, I think it might have been the Christmas season, which I didn't really get. I didn't know that there was a Christmas connection with this movie for a long time. Yeah, me oh, yeah. yeah. I always knew this movie existed, of course. I mean, it's super famous. It's which, a movie that really made Bruce Willis as yeah. a... As a movie star. It was very shocking to me to hear that you had never like fully seen this movie. I assume that this is like one of those movies that everybody had seen at some point or at least knew enough about it through proxy to have a general idea. Yeah, cuz I've, I've seen some general. of the biggies for action movies, you know. I've seen at least the first 3 Terminator movies. I've seen Predator, I've seen RoboCop, I've seen quite a few of these. I had never seen a whole Die Hard movie though. Yeah, and I've seen like a little bit of Die Hard 2 even, but I'd never mm. seen the whole 
diehard. So yeah, this was my first time watching it all the way through, and we'll see what I thought of it <laughs> later on in the show. That's right. So uh, let's uh, discuss the actors one by one and see how you guys thought they did. <laughs> They're right. gonna be so mad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? Plagiarism. Um, <laughs> so we start, of course, with uh, John McClane himself, Bruce Willis. Who do you guys think he was in this movie? Oh, this is... It's a big role. This is, this is an mm, iconic role, really. Serious. It really is. Yeah. I don't know, would, would you say that this was uh, him in his prime, or was this him just starting out? Well, this was one of his first... He was um, a young Buddy Willis. Yeah, he was a young buck. He was a young... They're not going to be mad. They're going to be happy. I hope so. Oh, no, no, the laughter you mad, bro? is fine. No, I mean, like, the... Uh, <laughs> We'll taking, probably cut all this stuff out. But taking, yeah, we're like, taking everything from you. Except acting, like yeah, like going through the actors one by one and see how you thought they did. Well, it's a it's a good format. Hey like, man, it is. We take from the best. Not Imitation the is the most true. sincere That's form right of in flattery. The email, just that one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Brucey. Oh yeah, going Bruce. back to Bruce. Brucey, he was looking pretty good, and like like you said, he yep. is pretty young he, in this. He, he's got a whole. How's he rank on the beefometer? The beefometer. <laughs> he is an easy four out of five. I think. Four, dude, you're crazy. I well, give him a five. I'd give him, I'd give him a four. A four. He's a five. Yeah. Five is like perfection. Five well, is like five a, is, an Adonis. Well, you like, know what? He was pretty he good looking. I, I would say that five. Good. Five is overkill. <laughs> I think four is a compliment. I mean, five. You're just like just a big bulky mess who can't wipe your own ass. That to me is a five out of five. I'm <laughs> holding my firm five. I'm talking right, five. Back to you this hold level. your firm five yeah, with your firm five, firm five fingers. <laughs> yeah, you do that. Can I be down to you a do four, Willis? Uh, well, no, I, he was awesome. He was. Yeah. What he was his acting? Good. If we have to talk about his, his acting. acting, his acting was great. Like he, he felt like your average Joe thrown into like a crazy situation, but he kept his head, which is something that think, you, John, think, yeah, think, <laughs> think. He's constantly telling. Well, it wasn't like an average Joe though. He was a oh, police yeah, officer he, for like eleven years. Yeah, no, he had the training and stuff, but th- that's like standard but personality. Training, I guess. Like, yeah, you're right. Personality wise, no, he was he was great. Like he seems like a rough and tumble blue collar dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, wild card. The kind of guy he actually he, comes out as a wild card later on. Wild card bitches. He does. He really does. Yeah, yeah oh I cut his yeah. brake line. I, yeah, I thought he was he was really good. Yeah, like uh, as they said in the trailer, he's an easy guy to like, oh. but he's a hard man to kill. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that about sums it up. He's you know he's got the the quips, the one liners. Oh his, yeah, his physical acting was great, and we'll get to this mm-hmm. later. But there was this one part where he's punching this guy. I mean, I know it's the foleying, but he, oh, hold on, he, spoilers! By the way, if you're like one of the very rare few people who have ever seen this movie, uh, we're probably gonna have a generic spoiler warning yeah, at the beginning of the show. Oh, okay, that. all right, yeah. but yeah, we're gonna blow the whole fucking but movie. So just watch in it case first. you fucking skipped over like, that, just, I'm not like, gonna give my review, but I would, time. I would recommend if you haven't watched this movie. Yet. Watch it first. It's on YouTube. You can rent it for like three bucks, or just buy it. Go down to your local whatever it's movie yeah, provider, movie, for cheap at movie this dealer. Point. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. it came out twenty something years bucks ago. Walmart, yeah, it's no, it's, it's at Rite Aid. If you people have Rite Aid where you live, it's uh, it's like eight bucks, which isn't bad. Yep, well worth the money. Like if you have any kind of interest in action movies at all, absolutely pick this one up. Well, I'm not spoiling it right now. Oh shit. Nope. Oh poopy. Okay. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so there's one part, and he, I mean, it is a lot of it's the foleying, 
but he's like he's he's he puts a lot into the the physical acting as well. Like this stuff looks really real, the fight scenes, and there's one part where he's punching oh, yeah, this yeah. dude, and it sounds That's like what I'm talking about. it's, it's a five. It sounds like uh, this somebody is dropping an anvil from thirty feet onto a T-bone stake. It's just. Oh, <laughs> like he's yeah, oh, when he's fighting fucking uh, Carl. Yeah, he's yeah. Like <laughs> battle royale with Carl there. Yeah, I really liked his performance. I think he maybe he got better as an actor later on, but it was a very strong start. Yeah, to his film career. Yeah, no, he was good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else we could say about yeah. this guy. Well, I guess we can move on. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie Bedelia played uh, uh, John's wife, Holly. She was good. I liked her facial reactions to a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of the um, a lot of the actors in this movie, they all did pretty well. She, for me, fun. she didn't she didn't stick out for me as much as some of the other actors. But I mean, it's yeah. not really her fault. I think I think she did her job and she did it well. She was playing the wife of a cop that they've got very contrasting personalities. Like she's she's a strong woman. She's not like a regular yeah. screaming helpless damsel and in distress. She she played a pretty good like independent woman. It yeah, was convincing. I liked her. I liked her character. Yeah, she was good. Um, I think she did it pretty well. And like, there's one scene where I'll say why we'll get into why later, but she has to deal with Hans Gruber, the terrorist ringleader, directly, oh, yeah. and she holds up really well under pressure. I think the dynamics of her relationship with with John are, are pretty good, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, overall, I think she was pretty good. So next up, Reginald Bell Johnson, who played Al. I forget his last name. It might might be Simmons. I think it's something with an S. Uh, I've just been calling him Al. The same Al, time. he you probably will, will know him well from his role on Family Matters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> did I do that? Oh yes, you did, Al. But I like this guy a lot. Oh, I love this guy. I thought and he was awesome. In he's this movie. probably one of my favorites, favorite actors in this movie. Yeah. yeah, he did a good job of playing like just that. Like just like a beat cop, like just patrolling the streets, doing whatever. Yeah, dude. Although they do mention that he, for a while now, he's been a desk jockey. We'll get into why later. This kind of a oh, dramatic yeah. reveal he's of his his desk jockey origin story. His um, days consist of going to the mini mart and buying donuts, buying Twinkies for his pregnant wife, <laughs> or so yeah. he says, uh, or, for yeah. his pregnant belly. Yeah, for his <laughs> have a fucking ass. He's gonna have a Twinkie baby. <laughs> Oh, that's disgusting. No, he was cool, Andy. <laughs> yeah, and he, he was pretty hot and tempting. Uh, he, I don't know. He, was, he left for Willis. I'm going to point know. it out as it comes up. All right, but he was <laughs> he was pretty voluptuous. He, he was, all right, yeah. <laughs> if you look at it that way, he's pretty. pretty cushion hot for the push. He's a great right. dude too. He's a really cool guy. And uh, <laughs> he is. Yeah, I guess personality points, but yeah, he is the like a seems like a tough but fair, very ethical cop, and mm-hmm. who wants to do the right thing. He is very sympathetic for the plight of John, who's just trapped in there with a bunch of. Yeah, I think uh, him and John have this kind of share more of a kind of a black and white worldview, and it's just like you know he sees John as the one good guy trapped in there with just a nest of bad guys, and wants to do everything he can to uh, to help this dude out. Yeah, they had a really good dynamic together for sure. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, so, it was good. It was um heartfelt. Had a lot of weight to it. I think he's a pretty competent actor. Yeah. Like he can play the, like the soft-spoken, like mild-mannered cop, and then he can when he's got to pick up the enthusiasm, I guess you would say, or like really show off his acting chops. He can act yeah, pretty good. Well, you see him really go toe to toe with his deputy chief, which shows some real brass 
cojones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if you say so. <laughs> but no, he plays yeah. a, a guy that's just kind of rusty on the field, and he's struggling with a very personal issue that will come yeah, up later. that we will get into. Next up, your mind bender. Two months. We got Paul Gleason. A Breakfast Club fame. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Don't you forget, forget about, about me. me. Don't, don't, don't you. Don't you forget about me. I have to come in here again. I'm cracking skulls. Hell yeah. So, Paul... Gleason is in this bad boy as he was a fucking fuckface. So he, <laughs> oh, for, he was yeah. a clown. He was dude, the tripping class over clown. his shoelaces like a door. So uh, <laughs> he plays the deputy police uh, police chief in, for a lot of the city of Los Angeles. Who in real life at the time was probably even a bigger clown than him. But yeah, his name—I just remember his first name was Dwayne, which is funny on its mm-hmm. face. Yeah. Um, so he was basically the guy in this movie, right? That was wrong about, about everything. everything. Every fucking thing. He did a good job playing a buffoon. Yeah, and he was also really... He was a bumbling buffoon. But I thought he was also really pretty goddamn funny. Like, he had a lot of great lines. Yeah, he really did. As as stupid as shit and out of touch with reality as his character was, he was also a funny dude. Well, it's funny because, like, every... Every time he tried to do his job a little bit, kind of a dickish way, it all just kept blowing up in his face, and you felt good Sometimes about it. Sometimes literally. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, overall, I liked him. I thought, just like everybody else who talked so far, they, they did what they were there to do very well. I don't know what else he's been in. I've seen him in this, and I've seen him in Breakfast Club. Is he just like kind of always like that character kinda that's shows just a kind of asshole? Like I've only seen him in these be. two movies, and he almost played the same dude. Yeah, pretty much. I really yeah. like him though in both of them. Like at Breakfast Club, probably even more than this movie, just because it was a bigger part. Yeah, I thought he was great as playing this just complete this guy that you love to hate. I guess. Absolutely. That's how you yeah, that's it. It. So next up we have um, William Atherton, who I can't remember the name. It was Richard something, but he played the uh, this TV news reporter in L.A. and he was, I thought, a real sleaze bag. Oh Very... yeah, he was the sleazy guy from Ghostbusters, wasn't he? Was, that, was he? In yeah, I think he was the guy that was like, "Turn it off. We don't know the environmental dangers." This oh yeah, he just the, had a mustache yeah. in that one. And this the bureaucrat who was getting yeah. in the way of their fun. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he played a pretty similar part. He was a scumbag, top to bottom. He was, he was a basically piece of a, shit. a yeah, a complete self-serving. Yeah. Like I could, bitch. I could yeah. see this guy hiding in a dumpster just to get a story. Like, oh hell yeah. Well, I mean, he like broke into some. I mean, well, I mean, we can get into that. We get into his, up, but he's, his I, dirty deeds that were, by the way, he's a bad cheap, man. Um, yeah. Later on, I guess. Next, next up, we have Hart Bachner, who played uh, Harry Ellis, who was the coke sniffing coworker of Holly in this. I play. love this guy. This guy I was funny. I liked him a lot. Too. I love this dude. <laughs> And I really kind of saw where he was coming from, where I guess we'll get into this more, but he, his idea of how he wanted to deal with the situation was just kind of talk his way out of it, because I feel like he that's probably his job, is to be kind of a smooth-talking guy, yeah, and he just he... wanted to negotiate his way out. He just wanted to go home, which I totally get, but he was kind of a scumbag, yeah, but I yeah. thought he did this this role, this kind of guy, he played him 
really well. I thought he just had like a really good look when he had he put on that shit eating grin. Yeah, totally. He just like looked really good when he was had that coke when he was like talking to yep. John on the monitor. He's like he sniffing trying to really sell it. Oh, oh yeah, man, man. this guy hamming it up. It was wonderful. Hans, like Bubby. perfectly thin beard and stuff. It was yeah. great. Like he, I think he believes. <laughs> no, he was the kind. He kind of believes everything that he says. Like he's so he can do like these mental gymnastics. Up his own and shit. ass. Yeah. yeah. He's a decadent man. <laughs> yeah, he <decadent> was. <laughs> Definitely fun to watch, though, for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So next up, we got James Shigeta, who played Mr. Takagi, who was boss of this place. He was the uh, Japanese-born businessman who uh, ran this, uh, at least this branch of the Nakatomi Corporation, the L.A. branch. Yeah, I liked him. He seems like a pretty cool boss to work for. I liked him, too, and he seemed like an all, just a good, straightforward kind of guy, uh, yeah, like a very guy. honest dude, honest, transparent, yeah. yeah. And he has to deal, he's the first person at this company that really has to deal directly with, with Hans Gruber. And he does, yeah, he does a pretty good job, I think. And yeah, I, I liked his character. So next up, fucking A number one, the big man himself, Alan motherfucking Rickman. Ooh, How did he do? <laughs> Oh. The first and hopefully not the last appearance of Alan Rickman on this show. Oh, I hope not. Me neither. Hope we get to, to spend some more time with this guy in the future. <laughs> I, can I foresee big more fan. Rickman in the future mm-hmm. for sure. Can never get enough of Rickman. Yeah, though. he did a great job. I when I think of Alan Rickman, this is the role that I think of. I know a lot of people probably think of him as Professor Snape because he did play him in I always like him from Dogma. I, Dogma he was great. I fish. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Hit me with that fish? Like he's the yeah. guy, and yeah, yeah I, I really liked him also in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, yeah. As Marvin the paranoid android. Like I don't, I'm not like a super uh, active buff or anything, but he's been like classically trained in theater. Right? Oh, he's tra- classically sure trained it, yeah. to rock your fucking socks off. Because <laughs> he, no, he is. Give him a taste. No, this is the role. AR. <laughs> No, when I think of Alan Rickman, I definitely think of this role first. Like he's just got that like that cool, calm exterior. Like he's the man in charge, and he's always in charge. I fucking love that accent. I just love everything about him. He plays this role perfect. He's just good. He can uh, yeah. kind of just fall into really anything. Well, he can that's the do. thing is we see uh, something I really like about his portrayal. Maybe more than any other character in this movie, we see such a range of emotions from this guy. Yeah, and he is. For the most part, he it's like his character, there's so much depth to what he does because his character is basically playing a character of I am the, yeah, exactly, like I'm the man in charge, calm, cool, and collected, trying to, to play himself off as so so kind of dignified and reasonable and just a man yeah, with a few a great simple demands. Yeah. And, and you, but in like other parts, you kind of seem start to crack up and start to tweak out a little bit and it's but that is but so believable he too. sells it he sells it time. so well it's so he's the greatest salesman i know yeah I bought he, it. I he bought kicks ass it. in this movie and this was i mean this is in the history as well but this by the way was his first role in a feature film at least according to wikipedia which i always believe 100 percent and don't question <laughs> um, he was yeah but yeah he, he had done a lot of of stage work before this he was, yeah, he was a classically trained uh, actor. He'd been in a lot of Shakespeare plays and stuff. 
and he does just a, a hell of a job. I thought his accent was pretty good. I, I feel like it, it's, it's a I don't little know, weird. It's a little. I, I don't know if I would say it's off, but he sounds like someone with a slight German accent. He doesn't have a strong German accent, but at no point does he sound English, which he actually is. He doesn't sound yeah. like an English guy at all. Well, yeah. except for one part, but we'll get into that, we'll get into that a little, little bit later. later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I do believe you're going to spoil it, my side. But yeah, Rick, Rickman was a bitchin'. Mm-hmm. Next up, last but not least, uh, Devereaux Waite. What? Devereaux White. Devereaux White. Who played um, Argyle, the limo driver. Oh, Usher, yeah. Yeah, I like this guy a I lot. Love this yeah, this guy. I would want him to drive me places. Yeah. Just, just to talk to him. He seems like a really charismatic, fun guy to be around. Yeah, really fun, friendly guy. He was earning those tips, man. Oh, yeah. He was, dude. He's totally hyped. Seriously. He, yeah, and just like me, you know, he's a Run DMC fan. He was in there playing a little Christmas in Hollis. Oh, yeah. He's got all the hookups. Yeah, he was chatting with babes on the car phone. Yeah. Hanging out with that bear. Just like, you know. Yeah. yeah. He tells, the, he tells the big there. ass teddy bear to shut up at one point, which I like. Oh, I like that's that. funny to me. He he <laughs> yeah. plays a part in busting up this conspiracy later on. He's you know he's in the mix. He yeah he, we just cut back to him every once in a while. It's just like what's Argyle up to? What's the what's going on in the Argyle show? Yeah, it's cool. Listening to different tunes the yeah, whole time. Yeah, he's got pretty. Drinking. He's got some banging beats. I think he might be smoking. I have a theory. We'll yeah, that. he's maybe smoking a little herb. I mean, a little Kahlua. It, it's crazy yeah, that a character can have so much like personality, even though he doesn't really interact with too many characters in the movie. Like, yeah, really... it's a lot of it's on the phone, or him like watching stuff on TV, or hearing it over the walkie-talkie. Or, like, actually sleeping. Yeah. Isn't there a part where he just wakes up? <laughs> He's like, oh, what the best, fuck? Best sleep like, acting I've great, ever seen. Great, dude, it's wonderful. <laughs> great sleep acting. Yeah, dude. it's awesome. Yeah, I like this guy a lot. I would totally party with Argyle. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Argyle for the win, class president. Yeah. <laughs> Argyle. I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that he rounds out the uh, the cast here, I guess. So I will get into the not so brief history of Die Hard. Oh, smoking if you got him. Smoking if you got him, bro. This would be the taglines. It'd be so cool in the seat. Edit this out. Oh, that's saying it, dude. Day bow bow. Day bow bow. Oh. <laughs> so that's our intro music I guess for like the brief history <laughs> Hey it's an 80's movie Fuck it Oh yeah So this is gonna really surprise I'm gonna flip the script on Die Hard right about now Die Hard was initially intended to be based off the 1979 Roderick Thorpe novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, which is a sequel to his 1966 novel, The Detective, which was adapted into a film of the same name starring Frank Sinatra in 1968. Fox was contractually obligated to offer the lead role to 
in Die Hard to Sinatra, who by then in his early 70s turned it down. The story was then reimagined as a sequel to the 1985 Arnold Schwarzenegger action film Commando. <laughs> Fuck yes. But in the end, Schwarzenegger decided not to reprise his role as that film's one-man army, John Matrix. Fox then offered the role to a slew of Hollywood stars, including Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, and Burt Reynolds, as well as TV star Don Johnson, who all turned it down. Now desperate to cast a lead in their film, Fox offered Bruce Willis $5 million to appear as its lead, at the time a virtually unheard of sum for such a relatively unknown actor, the role launching Willis to the status of action hero. That's crazy. So one of his first roles was also like one of his best paid at the time? Uh, yeah, I mean, $5 million wasn't totally out of the ordinary to pay an actor for a movie, but for an actor who was as little known as he was at the time, mostly known for TV work, that was a shitload. Oh, wow. Willis was previously best known for his role in the TV series Moonlight. Die Hard was British actor Alan Rickman's first role in a feature film. For one stunt, Rickman performed a 70-foot drop in front of a green screen. The feat was accomplished on the first take with a look of fear in Rickman's face totally genuine. The film was successful... Successful. Successful enough to spawn... <laughs> Sexy! To spawn four sequels between 1990 and 2013. Die Hard was made with a budget of $28 million. The film received a wide release on July 20th, 1988 and grossed $140,768,000 at the worldwide box office, including $7,151,000 during its open week, opening weekend. It was the seventh highest grossing film of the year in, in America in 1988. Die Hard was directed by American director John McTiernan. McTiernan was one of the more prominent directors of action films during the 1980s and 90s, and is also known for his work on Predator, The Hunt for Red October, Medicine Man, The Last Action Hero, Ooh. Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Thomas Crown Affair, The Thirteenth Warrior, Rollerball, and Basic. Hmm. Interesting. No, that bit about um, the look of genuine fear on his face when he performed that stunt, it's because the director didn't tell him when they were going to let him go. <laughs> like, they fucking punked his ass. Oh, man, that's awesome. Because that. this, this look on his face is pretty great. Oh yeah it's, yeah, it's because they gave him no warning whatsoever that they were going to do that. And then they dropped him on two. Yeah, they told him they were going to count to three, and then they just counted to two and dropped him. Yeah. So let's get into our review of Die Hard. Which I watched it on um, the DVD copy that my roommate just bought last night. Uh, the heightened definition, I guess. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. It still has that like 80... 80s grainy look and the letterbox or whatever. Well, you were watching on your screen. It looked pretty damn sweet it did to look me. Pretty yeah, good. I think the film stock looked excellent. It, oh yeah, no. yeah. It was clear. It wasn't grainy that at all. I don't think. Yeah, it was pretty sharp. Really good. I mean, it does look a little bit different compared to movies now, but I actually prefer that. Aesthetically, it's cool, but it's a yeah. little stylized. I like it. No, that's yeah. I love it when movies have that kind of aesthetic and feel to them. It adds a gritty layer of grittiness. So yeah, so we so again to Die Hard and the first thing we see it. Simba. <laughs> it looks like the Lion King, dude. We love the chosen. The plane was touching down. <laughs> yeah, we see an airplane land. Yeah, Bruce Willis is on board. Yeah, next to an older guy. And he, he mentions the guy that he hates flying. But you can tell because he's gripping that armrest. Pretty yeah, he is. He's sinking his fingers into that bitch. So the older guy gives him a piece of advice. 
which comes in comes pretty important later on. Oh yeah, what's he say? He tells him. Uh, tells him the first thing to do: go yeah. to your room, take off your shoes, and make fists with your feet. And press him like into the rug. And yeah. That'll kind of make you. That'll help you unwind. Trust basically. him. He's been doing it for nine years. Yeah, this guy. This guy next to him, he seems to travel a lot. But yeah, the older guy like he sees a gun next to him, he's like, I'm a cop. Oh yeah, he's like, me. don't worry, dude. I'm a cop. You've been doing this for eleven years. Trust me. I heard that was like one of the. Uh, one of the most common complaints about this movie is um, would he be able to take a gun onto the That was actually airplane? something that I wondered about is like could he just like flash a badge like I'm NYPD like assuming um, that it takes place this is a this pre-9-11 world pre, yes. yeah it takes place before all of that so the air yeah. regulations would probably be different but I don't know yeah, like taking a gun onto yeah. a fucking plane well, like, I mean since the 70s I know the government has had the, the air marshal program where they do like and not on every flight, but in certain flights, they'll put like a, an armed federal agent on the plane. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, I wonder that. Yeah, if like at least at that hmm. time, would a cop? Might be able to look into we'll this. Leave it up to you, the viewers. I'm not looking. I mean, I guess watching I us talking yeah. on an iPod or somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you guys tell us. Have we got any lawyers in the audience? Any any security uh, experts? You know, you can give us a give us a jingle. Mm-hmm. So right here, right yeah. off the bat, you yep. realize that John McClane is not just a one upper; he's a motherfucking two upper, <laughs> and he's gonna say he? the entire day. Yeah, says he's been doing the fist rubbing for with his feet for nine years. He two uh, he ups him twice with eleven years. I guess that is police officer. Two extra. Whoa! Hey, wait a minute. Nine years and then eleven years, and then this takes place in a skyscraper that <gasps> is getting blown up. Oh, Illuminati oh, confirmed! And there's an airplane. Whoa! Oh, Whoa! A giant explosion Whoa. on the building, in the building. Oh, Hold baby. the fucking phone. Loose change. Are you saying this was a premonition? <laughs> Die Hard predicted the future of 9-11. Oh, shit. Oh, man, I can't believe it. But no, that aside, it also does... Oh, my God. This whole little exchange here also tells us something else about John McClane's character without really pointing it out too much. He's gripping that armrest pretty hard. It shows that he has fears. He doesn't have... He doesn't like flying. It's yeah, a he's human, not a superhuman kind of a character. Like he's right, very human like from the right, get-go. Yeah, right off the bat, it's all about how this humanizes him. Yeah, well, all the time he's walking around, he's wearing the wedding ring, but he, yeah, he's, he's, he's out checking girls. out women constantly. Like he's got, yeah, there's a booty shot in that air. But no, um, yeah, he's got um, human vices, human flaws, because that was the biggest draw about this movie to so many people, why it seemed to stand out from your standard action movie, because the main character is very human. He's not like a one-man army just plowing through it. He's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. In Commando, yeah, yeah cutting people as, up with machetes and lawnmowers. I mean, there's a place for movies like that, absolutely, but this one is a, kind of a different breed. Yeah. I thought of it as a video game. Which makes you think, yeah, bit, yeah, it makes you think how different it would have been if, yeah, if it had just been Commando 2, just Commando in a skyscraper. It would have had a completely would different have been a very, it Yeah, it would have been a very yeah. different movie. It might have not. Might have been awesome too. It still would have been, yeah, yeah. been as popular. Though. Yeah, that's Probably true. Not, because yeah. Commando, that isn't as well known. That's more of a film for the Arnold connoisseur. <laughs> 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 
Oh, that's great. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so so then we they sh- they show John McClane in the airport, which we get our first. Or actually, before that, we get our in the plane. Still, we get our first mention that it's Christmas. Like there's a little message over the PA. Uh, welcome to Los Angeles and have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, then they go in the airport, and I took a note that yeah, he's smoking a butt. Mm-hmm. In an airport. Yeah, I took notes of whenever he was smoking. It was a different world, man. It was a different time. Yeah, it's walking around with this giant teddy bear. He looks kind of foolish. Yeah. Beep-bopping around that place. And we get some cuts back and forth, right? Like, um, it cuts back and forth between the airport and the fancy-ass Christmas party at Nakatomi Tower. Yep. Yeah, and, like, one of the first things we see, I guess... Ellis, Eli. Well, there's a yeah, guy Harry, earlier. Harry, Harry Ellis. Harry. Yeah, oh, Harry Ellis. Ellis is his last name? Yeah, yeah, same guy. What a fool. Same person, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's kind of hitting on Holly, huh. who we later see is, uh, is yeah, John's wife. Right. Though she uh, isn't very upfront about it, she seems to be going out of her way to deny any connection to the McLean name. Here's her last name. She uh, lists her last name as Gennaro instead of yeah. But McLean. she doesn't show signs of totally like just, like, severing ties with her husband. Yeah. She doesn't want a total divorce. Like, she is upset that John doesn't yeah. call after the, after he like touches down in California. That's where he was going. Yeah, you know, love on the rocks ain't no big surprise. Yeah, this is the earliest sign where he, she is concerned that he hasn't called yet. Yeah, yeah, and doesn't yeah like he calls her house and talks to her daughter and stuff. Oh, these kids! And who sounds yeah these these kids by the way they're bad. Uh, you know these? you can say what you want about one magic Christmas. The child acting in that movie was a lot better than Die Hard's. That's by a long worthy. shot. By a long yeah easily <laughs> easily. God damn this little girl! Her voice just she sounds it, like a fucking idiot. I'm sorry, but it, like, it just hits all of those cues and makes your spine tingle and your skin crawl. Just I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sure she's a sweet girl. I'm sure. I'm sure she tried her best, but sometimes your best oh isn't good enough. No, sometimes, she was yeah, pathetic, sure. dude. <laughs> it was just bad. This is pretty bad. But she asks like. Oh, is Daddy gonna come home with you tonight? <laughs> is Daddy gonna come home She's to like, the place? Uh, I don't know. How would they know to bring the presents? <laughs> <laughs> if Dad doesn't come home, I bring to that the one place. back. <laughs> so yeah, then what? Like, then what happens? She asks the maid, her maid, like Lupita or something. That's not just like a racist thing where I'm just shouting out random. No, Mexican that's name. no, that's like pretty much her name. Or the rec- it was something with an L. <laughs> yeah, Polina. <laughs> like Polina. Man, that's just awful. Sophia, like, you don't fucking give a shit about our cleaning people. <laughs> Fuck the maid. I can't even be asked. Yeah, I'm gonna talk. Name. I have more to say about the maid later. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Did she come back up? Oh yeah, she does. Yeah. And asked the maid if John called. John hasn't called yet, and she seems to not be very happy with it mm-hmm. uh, at this point. And yeah, she, she lays the photo lays flat. the photo flat down because she's sick of looking at his goddamn the face. Only photograph of her entire family. The rest are all the kids and her. That's the only one with John. When her daughter, when her shit kid, fucking asks like, <laughs> "Is Daddy coming home?" She turns her back on the photograph, and she's like, I'm, "I don't. I think we're gonna just leave it up to Mom and Santa this year, or something like that." Like, she completely turns her back on it. I don't know. Funny thing about that photograph, it plays into a theme that plays in a lot in this movie, where seemingly minor details all pay off in a huge way yeah, later absolutely. on. There is some interesting it's attention to detail. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, it's it's prevalent in almost the entire film. Like, any little thing that you seem to 
just see or pick up on it will invariably come up later so yeah. this is definitely a movie where you want to be paying attention as you watch it yeah so John we come back to John at the airport he has a, a limo pick him up and he brings that big ass uh, teddy bear with him and this limo is bitching I think it had like a VCR in it and shit it was pimped out oh for I wrote down everything that was in it but okay. before that like I want to point out that this guy yeah. appears to be stoned like it's kind of awkward when um when John's like so hey how's it I'm John McClane or whatever and he's like I'm Argyle he's, and it's like a long pause I'm the driver <laughs> long pause Okay, Argyle, what do we do now? Long pause. It's like, I don't know, I was hoping you could tell me what to do. And he takes off his sunglasses, and his eyes are pretty damn red and squinty. Red. Like, I think he was probably high, and he makes up an excuse, like, I've just first time driving the limo, which might be true. I believe he looks he used to be a cab driver, so he's a little savvy. Yeah. He looks pretty young, though, so I would believe that, like, it could just be first time jitters, like, he's nervous. It's his first day on the job. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think he seemed high Maybe. at all. But, I mean, it might play in later on to, like... What he was doing the entire movie that in could be. where he was—he he was waiting for John. I know, but he's, he's got to kill some very time in this um, creative way. With John, fishing with John. Fishing with John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> nobody's gonna get that. Um, oh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope so. I. Too. No, I think it's just incredible. I think it's awkward, not only because it's his first day on the job, but they're also two very different personalities. Argyle seems very outgoing and uh, yes, he's a big, easy to he's talk to. He's a big to. extrovert. He's mm-hmm. a party boy. And John McClane, he's kind of bitter and salty. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, well, he's like, I think salty is a good name. He breaks him. through, though, doesn't he? Like, a little he, bit. Kind yeah, of like I mean, gets they, through they, has to They talk definitely about his life. develop a rapport by the time they get to the big building, but yeah. I was going to make an, another smoking note. He's smoking in a limo, too, yeah. which is like. Windows rolled whoa. up. Whoa. And yeah, the driver, Argyle, he asks, yes, John, kind of a lot of questions. Like, he seems yeah. like he's prying in deep to this guy's oh, yeah, married like, life. Very personal questions for someone you just met. Like, mm-hmm. so, did you get divorced? Uh, are you going to meet some hot mama? She beat just you like, up? <laughs> she beat you yeah, up. Yeah, he kind of cracks up a little bit. Yeah. He, yeah, he gets, he gets a little grin out of John with that line. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember thinking. Um, I think partly it's through the tint of of the windows in the limo, but we get some really nice shots of kind of the L.A. sunset. It's this kind of it's this really nice deep orange layer, maybe just the sun playing off the pollution of the city, but it looks really cool. Oh, the cinematography in this entire movie is oh, great. Oh, the cinematography yeah. is fan fucking tastic. The whole thing is so good. Say that right now, yeah. And yeah, we got our first glimpse of Nakatomi Tower as they're driving through the through the city. And it's tall. It looks like fucking Shinra Tower from Final yeah, Fantasy <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Yeah, well played. <laughs> so they get there and he finds out that like um so yeah, Argyle or Usher as I wanna call him. So he looks like a little Yeah Yeah, dude Usher, little Usher is what I wanna call him. Yeah. But um, Usher Junior Junior Junior. Usher Junior Junior. He finds out in the fucking limo that he's his wife might not celebrate Christmas without him, and it might not go well when he goes to visit his wife upstairs. So he tells him like, "Look, I'll hang out in the parking garage. I'll just park this this thing, wait for you. If it works out, I'll bring your luggage to the front desk. If not, I'll help you get a hotel. Here's my car." So so pretty nice. Argyle gives him this, this, basically the sweetest deal any yeah. limo driver could give. You got to remember that but, for the uh, tip, though. 
Yeah, it was like, everybody wanted you right for the tip. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's fair enough. Definitely. Hell yeah. And, but yeah, he um, before that, like, he talks to John about, you know, why didn't you come with your wife um, when she got this sweet job out in L.A.? And he's like, I'm a New York cop. I got, like, six months backlogs of shit to deal with putting scumbags in jail. Yeah. So, uh, and that, he translated that to, so she... She moved out here, and you thought she wasn't going to make it, and she'd come running back, so why just yeah. move? Why pick up and move? And he's like, just like I said, you're very fast, Argyle. Yeah, like, he's got he's got John's number. Like, this guy's yeah. perceptive. Mm-hmm. Argyle puts on a little run DMC, some Christmas and Hollis. He's like, oh. And John's like, oh, why don't you put on some Christmas music? He's like, it is Christmas music. And what about, what's the rundown on this shit? What's in that whole thing? They got a CD, a TV, a telephone, yeah. a VHS player, a fucking full bar. Yeah, they, they got, got the CB. But yeah, That's so quite a lot for any limo. Like, when yeah, I... That's true. You, like, I mean, how many limos have you been in? I've been in, like... I've been in a total of zero. I've been in one. I've been in... Her, well, yeah, I remember I had almost, like, a similar experience to John McClane. Like, when I went to San Francisco when I was a kid, we had, like... It wasn't a limo, but it was, like, you know, it was, like, when you call a car, as they would say. Call a car. This really cool Nigerian dude was the driver. Yeah, I'm right. Like, uh, my dad liked him so much that he, like, requested him to pick us up when we went back to the airport. (laughs) No, I've been in a grand total of one. A friend of my mom's, she actually used to have a limo. She worked for a limo driving company. And Hmm. we were at her house one time, and I got to check out the inside of it. And it's nice. Like, it's about (laughs) as nice as you would expect to be driving in high luxury. Like, the seats are nice. Plenty of room to spread out your legs, got yeah, your cup holders, all the in the back seat, just chilling out. It's got the whole back seat. Yeah, that's another thing I'll just yeah put in as a brief note is that John, unlike pretty much any movie I've ever seen, he just sits in the in the front seat. He rides shotgun in this limo. I like of, that. Instead of you know having the luxurious back, that gives him more of a everyman type of class. I yeah, guess. it doesn't need like to be he, driven around. Yeah, like, he can just hang out like with the driver, with the, the prince of the man. world. But yeah, so he gets the drops him off. He walks into the lobby of Nakatomi Plaza, and yeah, it's dead quiet. He tells whoever that, oh, I'm the wife, Holly, whoever, and he sees in the directory that she is still registered under her maiden name, which he doesn't seem to be very happy about. Yeah, that frustrates him a little bit right off the bat. I can't really blame him. I mean, he didn't know up until now, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never surprise. been married. I don't know what it's like. But yeah, that's true. It's, it probably is pretty upsetting, I imagine. What did you think of the uh, like the computers, like the whole the system inside of the like building, like the toy. interface? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it's I guess, primitive by today's standards, but probably in 88, it was probably cutting edge because it was, yeah, it was touchscreen, which touchscreen is just now, in 2015, becoming yeah. like a dominant thing and they had it way back you know 27 years ago in this place I thought it was cool looking I, I did like I did like the way it looked like it, it helped it fit that perfect dark feel that I get off this movie like a lot yeah. with all of the lens flares and shit so oh yeah I don't know I like aesthetically I like it like it kind of fits well yeah I mean it, I think um I think this company is supposed to be kind of a technology centric company yeah so it makes sense that they would have you know kind of the cutting edge mm-hmm for its time, for their, you know, security systems or whatever it was. He's directed to the 30th floor. He goes up and he walks into this big fancy Christmas party. Just people are getting, like, wild and crazy at this Christmas yeah, party. They get pretty drunk, dude. yeah. And someone gives him, like, some champagne. He's like, yeah, I'll take some champagne. He takes a sip. He's like, oh, God. 
This is terrible. Doesn't seem to care for the champagne. Someone else just runs up and kisses him on the cheek, and he's just like, California. Yeah, he goes, oh, what? fucking California. <laughs> then all like laughs a little bit and rubs it off. Yeah. Shows that he's not a total prick, I guess. Uh, he's essentially pretty good natured. I yeah. mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, he's you, not a belligerent person, even yeah. if he has like kind of a sour attitude on a lot of things. He's not like an asshole. No, he's cool, and he just like puts the drink back on some other waiter's tray. He just takes yeah, he doesn't, doesn't care for it. So he meets, he then meets Mr. Takagi, the boss of the company there. She, he's heard a lot about him from Holly. Yes. It's pretty, it's good? I don't know. It sounds like he was um, impressed with everything. Yeah, it sounds like it was probably mostly positive. Um, but yeah. He reacted pretty good to the man who, for all intents and purposes, thought that his wife wouldn't be able to last very well in this company. I don't know if he actually knows that or not, but if he did, he's pretty polite about it like he doesn't really bring it up if that's the case yeah yeah i mean if he's heard anything bad about john he does certainly doesn't act like it but yeah they walk into an office <laughs> and who was there but harry harry ellis Fucking uh, scratching the edge in a bomb off right off the desk is it holly's desk um i think it might be i'm not sure actually who honestly i'm not sure whose office it was well it has her name on the office door, right? Like, it was her last name, which I... Did it say Ellis? No, uh, Granero. Or Granero. Oh, Gennaro. Gennaro, yeah. yeah. Sounds like Gennaro. Gennaro, yeah. I thought that name was on the front door. Okay, then it's probably, it probably is her office. So, like, what's he doing? Snorting coke Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Party, man. Coke? That's right. Is, um, Does later... she have coke? I don't think she's got coke. I think he just, I think, I'm thinking that, that Ellis just skulked away to a safe, a safe place. Like, safe coke place. That's true. He said he had to make a call, and he's like, this is the first office I could find. It was the first office. <laughs> Just somewhere to bust out a bump and just snort it on down and get that feeling going. You know what I'm saying? He definitely definitely wasn't expecting it. He had the white snow. He wasn't expecting any visitors. Frosty. Yeah, it's like, God damn. I say, God damn. He definitely wasn't expecting them to come in, though, because he makes a pretty hasty effort to sweep it off the desk. (laughs) Hey, what's up? Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's bugging out. John Plane, he's not fooled. He's seen this kind of riffraff before. He's like, hey, oh, I bet. you missed some on your face. Yeah, you got something there. Oh, he's been doing this there. for 11 years, dude. Oh, he's yeah, it's true. Top dog. He's an experienced man. He, he says that Takagi is a pretty good line, like, or, yeah, I know the Japanese celebrate Christmas, and he's something oh, like, uh, yeah, this... well, Pearl Harbor didn't work, so we got you with tape decks. Yeah, that is a good line. <laughs> true, true enough. Then Holly enters and yeah. wrote... Um, sniffing intensifies. <laughs> it does. He does get really sniffly up in this piece. Yeah. Holly looks happy to see John. I think I ha- thought fairly like, happy. It's kind of an awkward encounter when she walks into her own office and John's there. Maybe, but it's kind of sweet at the same time. Maybe she didn't actually expect him to show. Like she's surprised that she actually that he actually managed or bothered to show up at all, and she is happy to see him. She's because, probably annoyed without with not getting a phone call, but and, still pleased to see. Yeah, him. and I wrote this note the first time I watched this. Are they still married? Because I really at this point I couldn't tell because of the. Yeah, the thing with her name coming up, the seeming kind of like it seemed like they had mixed feelings about each other, and I couldn't tell if they were married, divorced, separated, or what. Mm. Watching this the first time, we find out 
that their relationship is at least on the rocks because of their John's attitude. In the bathroom, when John's kind of like, he's like, I need a shower, but you couldn't have a shower. You just need to have a quick rinse around the key. Areas. Yeah, I didn't have time to grab a shower. <laughs> yeah, so um, he just kind of rinses up real quick, and Polly's just hanging out with him, and they're just kind of going over what's going to happen. Like, yeah. he's going to stay somewhere, and she's like, oh, you could stay here with... Stay at our place. Stay in the spare bedroom. Kids would like you there, and I would like it too. So they want they want the relationship to work. Like the mm-hmm. ki- like the chemistry between the two of them, I like because it's, it's not. It feels very realistic. real. It feels yeah. very real. It's very gray. It's I not remember, black and well, white. Yeah, because I felt like that that that, that uh, the the back and forth felt very natural. Felt very organic, and it almost reminded me of some of Bruce Willis's acting. In the Sixth Sense, yes. Eleven yeah. years later, way deeper into his career, more seasoned as an actor. This it's, it's very good stuff. Man. Yeah, but he's in the bathroom and he's like, "Oh man, why'd you do that, John? You fucking idiot!" So like, you see, he's aware of what's shaking things up. Like he wants yeah. to he try wants it to work out, and she does too. He wants he's to kind be, of a jerk. yeah. He wants to be a better husband than he yeah. is. Yeah, so a couple of horn dogs bust into this bathroom. <laughs> quick little, they're like, "Oh, fool! We didn't know anyone was in here." Getting rough and, and rowdy. Bathrooms, yeah. Getting fucking rough and cloudy. Yeah, they're getting wet and wild. Rowdy cloud. Getting rowdy yeah, cloudy. Getting rowdy cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, but yeah, so and yeah, because Takagi wants her to come in and say something to the and give a speech to the troops. To, yeah, to the troops, as, yeah, as one of her coworkers says. And then it cuts to we see a shot of I just wrote ominous truck approach. <laughs> I put on Joker pulls up in his Mack truck. Yeah, like, ba- basically. Dark night, it just like, looks like that. And, um, yeah, that's, that's something that I know Sean and myself picked up on was there's some definitely some parallels, seemingly some parallels between this and the Dark Knight and some of the... De- some of the devices that were used, yeah, and I some, think of, in, some of the motifs. Yeah, I think in many ways, like this movie was really inspirational for a lot of things. And yeah, it was. Yeah, and that's um, that was something I almost included in the history. And I guess to talk a little bit now yeah. about was you know Die Hard on a X, and X could be plane, it could be ship. Like I, there was some some fucking Steven Seagal movie was like Die Hard on a ship, and you know, but it's like the the concept of one determined good guy against a whole slew of bad guys. Whatever the setting is, this in this, excuse me, in this movie it's a it's a skyscraper. It could be a ship. It could be a plane like Die Hard too. It could be a small village uh, somewhere. Whatever Mid-Spain, it is, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one guy, one good guy against like a bunch of bunch of tough bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually like um like competent bad guys. Yeah, it's like be this an apartment movie, like, complex in Indonesia. <laughs> like, yeah, oh. 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 Oh yeah. Oh. Well, anyway, it <laughs> makes me beat with joy. Makes me plump with joy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, Makes me so happy then with what, pleasure. So then what happened? Yeah, yeah, that's Two right. Two guys walk into the lobby of Nakatomi Plaza and they're having a discussion about the last Lakers game. They're talking about Magic Johnson and shit. As they get close to the counter where the security guard is, one of them just blasts him in the head with a, a silenced uh, pistol. I fucking love the yeah. uh, I love the guy, the black guy with the glasses acting. Yes, yeah. like I he is him the Joker. In this movie. He is. Oh shit! I, yeah. Okay. So can like, I just put a pause button on this? Right. So no, I don't want to pause it. I just want to pause the discourse because there was there was one guy that I forgot to put into the actor discussion, and maybe as some other addendum, we can put his name in the show. 
but there was this guy, he was, yeah, like a youngish black dude who was part of Hans Gruber's group, and he is this hacker guy, and I thought he was really... Oh, his really name was uh, Theo. Theo, right? yeah, yeah, Theo, yeah. and his, his, he was very funny and charismatic. He was and just popping at, yeah, all of the walls. Like, yeah, and yeah. just as the guy, the, the, the white dude in the gang, shoots the security guard. Uh, Carl, head, that, one, that one's Carl. Was it, yeah. Okay, it was Carl that did it. Uh, Theo kind of does a little scoop move. Sweeps right over the counter and goes two points. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like this so guy. Into it. I really like this guy. He's, he's really great. funny. Yeah, and he's yeah, and I, I really like his performance a lot. So these two guys, yeah, they they, they bust in and yeah, they throw a couple what smoke bombs. They have like hockey puck sort of explosive things. Right? Yeah, I think they, they were flashbangs. They look like hockey okay. pucks. Yeah. But yeah. It was cool how they slid around. And uh, Theo, he goes over to the computer right away. And I just wrote a note at this point. It's on. <laughs> like at this yeah. point, it's just like, I'm like, oh shit, okay. It kind of just gets That's where the movie it. like really starts. Yeah, it's really quick and like... Because that's what Carl did, yeah. He slid that um, that flashbang. He didn't even need to do that. Like, he could have just shot the guy that was in the hallway, the only other guard that was on the bottom floor, I think. Yeah, he, fl- he slides. Yeah, the sinister, like so, the sinister mustachio-looking guy. He looks like he's, like, like, trying to eat peanuts he's or trying something. He's <laughs> 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 I mean, they got snacks and stuff down there. Yeah. So they got, like, concession stands and shit. No, yeah, he slides the flashbang in and then shoots him twice. Like, can you imagine that's being, like, yeah, fucked over and, like, double? Overkill, bro. <laughs> yeah, and there's some, there's some great. By the way, this movie kick ass squib work. The blood oh, squibs, squibs, the blood squibs yeah. in this movie oh, are really, and there's a really part good. Later and at the end, it gets crazy. Yeah, and bullet sounds like the guns in this movie. They all sound like fucking. Yeah, just, I'm just, yeah, just effects across the board. Awesome. Yep. Hands across the I board, agree. hands across touch the water. Touch fingers, we all agree. Should we touch yeah, fingers? Touch chips with me, bro. Touch tips with me. Touch tips. Yeah, dude. All right, we touch tips. It's official. Point. Well, okay, the next thing is... Oh, yeah, um, this whole chunk is just... Like we see the fir- our first shot, not long after that, of... Hans Gruber with this kind of posse in the behind him walking. Oh, he was riding in the back and of the back looks, truck like yeah, Joker. And they, uh, yeah, and they all walk in. And like this guy looks like a bad ass. He, yeah, he looks awesome. Like that's he the, looks like Leonardo. Leonardo. I think that was he does. To be and inspired. yeah, they actually. But a note for our, and I hope there are some clerks animated series fans at home. <laughs> They got Alec Baldwin in that show to play Leonardo Leonardo. They initially wanted Alan Rickman. And Alan Rickman didn't really want to play basically the same role again because, yeah, they kind of based his old mannerisms and everything around the uh, the Hans Gruber character from this movie. You know, this whole scene of them uh, coming in, like, you slowly see them kind of assemble and mobilize like first you got the two coming in the front and then you got these trucks pulling in the side like you don't know what they're being yeah like it's for. extremely organized like, like music the music yeah, is great like these it, guys are the like, real deal they yeah. all look like they've done this a thousand times before yeah, like this is just another like day they have. Yeah, even like, though this is the real deal that was all just VR training in the past <laughs> yeah. we got early yeah they're the VR we got be on our top game <laughs> We are VR. We are VR troopers. troopers. We're training the solid snake in the VR training. (laughs) And yeah, they like go in and they try to like hack all the computers and they're kind of. Yeah, they got to uh, break through. They're all logs. They're all yeah. They got to break through. They're all dressed very nice too. They look pretty. They look pretty snazzy. Dressed to the nines. That's these dudes. Yeah, they're not. They're not like cheap. 
bitches. No, you gotta look your best, yeah, even when you're out. on the job. Yeah. Pretty classy terrorists. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like they they probably have money, Hans. Not like the bung whites we have now. <laughs> so yeah, but pretty soon after that, we hear German spoken for the first time. So we get an idea and of where these guys are from. from. Yeah, like they mentioned later that Hans Gruber is from the, or at least you know he was actually kicked out of West German Volksfrei movement, which Volksfrei means uh, free people, in, in, uh, in Kraut Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, listen to your Kraut Rock? Kraut Rock Talk. Kraut Rock Talk. Where's well, the Kraut Rock cast? Let's talk about Noi. Let's talk about fucking Faust. Well, let's, let's talk about Can, dude. Yeah. Let's, like, Guys, you don't know Can? What? Come on, what? You don't oh know Kraftwerk? What? What the what? fuck is this? Fuck off. You don't know what? <laughs> <laughs> you dick. Oh, you gotta get some Kraut Rock, dude. I, I guess so. I don't so. I think you'd like it. I don't even know. So they're are. mobilizing. They're um they're establishing their perimeters. They got some people on the ground floor. They get some people uh, higher up on the yeah, roof. Joker's getting settled in. He says um, uh, thirty minutes to cut through all the logs. Yeah, I wrote right? um someone set us up the bomb. <laughs> that was, that's what that's what I thought during this. Yeah, all their base are belong to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote. Later, we should probably cut this out, but I'm just gonna tell you guys. Like, later it. on, I was like, "This is like AD 2101, all rolled up into one night, all up in here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I might keep that. Oh my god. Um. Oh shit. So yeah, like I wrote, like these guys, they seem to know what they're doing. Yeah. Like this, these guys are pros. Total professionals. So they're yeah, they're established on all the floors, and then they uh, they get to the Christmas party where they all just come in. No one notices them slip in. I mean, they were being kind of quiet, but you would think that somebody well, they blend would blend in. That's the clothing. They were wearing wear. black, and well, the building wall was like white. Well, also, I mean, this building is we've seen that this building is pretty much completely empty, other than. The 30th, floor. the 30th floor Christmas party. That's true, and they're all drunk, And, like, too. two guys on the bottom floor. Like, two guys in the lobby, which they take out pretty easily. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I mean when they when they uh, step out onto the party floor themselves. You, you, yeah. none, they're all none, drunk. none of these partygoers saw five, six people coming out of the elevator. <laughs> you probably expect More that like shit probably when you're drunk. 12. Oh, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> There 12, was, like, was, a lot yeah. of them. There were. All heavily armed with machine guns, AK-47s, or what have you. Ah, uh, let's not split hairs. All right, that's right. It's fine. It's a pass. AK slingshots, who's to say? I think it's fine, dude. It was a different time. Yeah, it's you true, You can walk yes. anywhere with a giant machine gun now. I got it. Um, I might take a smoke break. Yeah, I got P2. Holy shit. Do you want to take a little break of poop? Yeah, let's, let's, take like, break. let's take a little break. All right. And we're back. Back. Hey, Finally. We back probably two weeks later. <laughs> so long. Um, oh, that was a long fucking poop. Oh, yeah. Whiz. It's pretty backed up oh, there. fucking Brian's here, by the way. We, so picked we, got, up a hitch- uh, we picked up a hitchhiker on the yeah. way. Some goon. Some crazy book, some guide or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's don't in a bath towel. towel. He forgot his you, towel, yeah, apparently, but he's look, in a bath towel. Don't worry, this is terracloth. It's like a towel. So, okay, Showing up here looking like Arthur Dent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about Die Hard. Well, I really apologize because this is going to be all fucked up. Auto tune the fuck It's just going to sound. Yeah, we're crazy. just going to crank a bunch of auto tune on it. <laughs> we'll uh, fix it with auto tune. So we're talking about Die Hard. So, they show so up we the were Christmas talking party. about, yeah, like when the terrorists finally bust into the Christmas party on 
on floor number 30 here at Hakatomi Plaza. So then what happens? Yeah, take all these people hostage. Like knocking down doors, like going through the whole, let's clear the room, make sure fire. we got everybody. What I wrote was an excessive amount of warning shots. <laughs> they shoot about yeah. 100 rounds between them. All yeah, right into, no the, bite. into the ceiling. Oh, they, eh, they might have a little bit of bite later on. Once they realize their pussy, I won't cut it. But yeah, we already... What the fuck are you talking about? Um, the peanut gallery, quite literally. So as that's going on, we got John <laughs> slinking around like solid snake. He already has no shoes on, by the way. Yeah, none of that. Wow, one gun, one clip, just his tankini. I guess. Yeah, isn't it tankini? Some slacks. Yeah, it's a tankini. I thought it was like a like a just like a regular it's white like a wife top, beater. I, <laughs> I didn't want to call just, it a wife we beater. Just, yeah, we wanted to call it a tankini. <laughs> What's wrong yeah. with calling it a wife beater? He's not actually beating wives. It's just what it's called. I feel like that's insensitive. That's a little bit. Really? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. People it's are so sensitive these days. I mean, oh, well, a, if that was what the proper term was. Yeah, cut like, that part out. <laughs> oh, I know. This, this whole <laughs> no, conversation. No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't. But anyway, no. Um, yeah, he's got no shoes on. He's got his tank top. Um, he, he's not. He's not prepared. Like he's not ready because these guys literally just showed up and they started firing warning shots. So he's um, around. Yeah. Which is the smart thing to do because he knows he's not an idiot. He's not going to rush in guns blazing, yeah. knowing like he's yeah. like some kind of invincible hero. So so we get to, I guess, the more action-oriented part, plot-heavy part, pretty early on, because this is a two-hour, 11-minute film. We're only 24 minutes in, and shit is already going down. Yeah, we find out they're transporting, like, heat-seeking missiles and stuff. Yeah, these guys have RPG got some heavy ordnance. Yeah, like, these a guys lot. are strapped to the hilts. See, this part reminds me of The Dark Knight, when the Joker and his crew bust in, oh, now for tonight's entertainment. It kind of reminds me of that, the way it's shot and the way the party looks. It's yeah. Yeah. This is what I was reminded of. So there's two yeah. guys that stay up front on the hotel, right? And they just kind of assume the guard and the guy at the desk. Yeah, he's hacking just to away. make it look normal. Yeah, they've got all their bases covered. They know that on the off chance that somebody shows up, it's good to have well, somebody down there. That I just thought of just now was that they uh, were smart to have apparently the only two American members of the crew down at the bottom of the building where they might actually have to talk to people and not yes. seem suspicious. Uh, hmm. um, like the guy they have but pretending to be a receptionist has like a kind of like a Texas accent or something. Tight script. Yeah, they're these guys. Like I said, they're pros. They, they really know what they're doing. I feel like they've done this kind of thing before. Meanwhile, during this, looks great. Cinematography's awesome. Isn't Usher yeah. hanging out with the bear in the limo? He may or may not be drinking. <coughs> and or yeah. smoking for yeah, my theory earlier on. on him because yeah, like he. That's fun time. Do we cut to Argyle every so often? And I was I really, doing another wacky thing. I really yeah, I like those those little cuts. But mm-hmm. yeah, he starts talking about Alan Rickman starts talking, you know, giving Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber gives yeah. his whole speech about now give you a demonstration in the real use of power. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he wants to talk to the boss, Nakomi or something, whatever his name is. Takagi. He wants Takagi. to talk. Takagi. Takagi. Yes. Yeah, he it's knows. It's been so guy. long since I wrote these notes um, and everything. It seems like they have an intimate past. I didn't write anything down, any of the lines or anything, but it seemed like they knew each other. I don't think they knew each other because he would have been able to. That's the thing. Is he oh, would have been so able to pick him out of the Snape group if he did. He just knows a lot about him. He knows a lot about him. He's done his homework on this guy. He knows. He, he says he was born in 1937 in Kyoto, Japan. Yeah, he intimidates moved him with, with history, dude. Yeah, moved, yeah this... uh, to the U.S. with his family in 1939. He knows what school he went to. He knows what degrees he has. Basically, mm-hmm. everything this guy's life in a 
nutshell. As a professional. Yeah. Now the scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did there. No. nuts. The scene. The scene was um, shot pretty well because as he's listing off this guy's biography, pretty much, um, he's just slowly moving through the crowd, waiting for him to yeah, either out himself another, or somebody to give him up. Yeah. And he, and he gives this other Asian guy the eyeball, and that's when the guy, I think, that's why he gives him himself up. Uh, Takami. Because he, he does give himself. Takami. Yeah. Captain goes down with his ship, man. Yeah. yeah. He cares about his employees. I mean, he throw that yeah. friggin' so swank Japanese party place. for him. Honorable manhood. Seriously. Yeah. At that point, that's when uh, they get into the elevator, and he has kind of a one-sided conversation. Takagi doesn't really talk to him a whole lot, probably because he doesn't want to give away anything about his company, or he's not really sure what this guy is here for. Mm -hmm. Playing it very cool for a guy whose party just got crashed by quite a large at the time he believes to be terrorist organization a fuckload of terrorists like this guy's got some discipline but he is he is Japanese isn't he and the Japanese have yeah. great strength when they're backed into a corner well, as, we, as we know yeah I mean, he's like first generation Japanese American he lived in Japan yeah. until he was about two but yeah I like another, another thing that I like that uh, that Gruber he compliments guy's, him on his suit yeah he, he, he talks mm. about his suit and he's like no it's like the make the maker of the suit and everything and he's like yes I have two of them at home yeah it's like really good taste we see yeah. a he's lot a man of those of little glitches yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing too. Like he's he doesn't act outright. I mean, uh, guns firing into the air aside, people searching for rooms, getting all the hostages in one area. All that aside, he doesn't seem like that openly malicious. Like he looks like he's trying to play the business avenue before anything else. Well, we see later yeah. on that he is an exceptional thief. Well, he is. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think if he had. Yeah, I think I believe him when he says that. You know, if, if they had just given him what he wanted, you know right off the bat he would have just taken it walked off probably nobody ever would have gotten hurt but mm-hmm. you know he would have gotten away we don't negotiate with terrorists that's right this is the US of A don't mess around with that shit isn't the fire department called isn't what's his face well that's what he does um he um while all this is going on while um what's his name John McClane yeah, while, um, think of his name. while Alan Rickman and <laughs> <laughs> while Hans Gruber and Takagi are talking business Alan Rickman and whatever <laughs> yeah we know what you mean it doesn't, right. matter. it doesn't really matter. Well, they're talking. Yeah, Bruce Willis, he is up on the Raptors. He's trying to figure out a way to get help. Like, he knows that his best shot is to try to get the police or anybody to come and find out what's going on because he knows he's got no chance. The the hacker guy, I forget his name, he he picks up on it. Like, they, they he's able to see through the, the building's computers or whatever that the fire alarm <laughs> has been pulled. So he proactively calls up and says, oh, it's a false alarm. Don't bother showing up. So then they they, they don't show up. They, they, they go back. Yeah. And maybe for a pretty funny scene when uh, Bruce Willis he's, he sees the fire department coming he's like oh yes yes oh thank you come yeah, on he's like no and where are you going and they start to go away and his, you can just see his hopes and dreams crashing yeah. to the ground yeah, just like oh what the fuck where are you going well, no! I thought it was over after that once they showed up they were just gonna wrap it up like that yeah we see more of uh, Takagi and Gruber's interaction and yeah they're talking about all kinds of shit about how quotes some shit from Alexander the Great and he talks about how used to love to build models because he goes into Takagi's office or whatever and sees all these models these buildings he's planning to build he's like I read about it in Forbes (laughs) 
And, I love uh, the details. Oh yeah, he reads a lot of magazines. That's yeah, the thing like that he's, we he's all he's way up on this Takagi guy and yeah. the Nakatomi Corporation in general. He knows all about it. But yeah, like you said, he he talks to Takagi about how he wants wants money and he wants it in the form of six hundred and forty million dollars in bonds, which that is, are in a vault, yeah, yeah. which Takagi does not know. At least he does. He doesn't let on that he knows, but he does not know the combination or anything, the code to get into it. Yeah, this is kind of a key quote in this movie. What kind of terrorists are you? He says, who says we were terrorists? Yeah, he doesn't claim to be terrorists. They're just robbers, basically. High-class thieves, if you will. Yeah, he calls it out himself. He, he is a golden god. We'll yeah, so we see John McClane. He sneaks up. He's kind of watching this whole drama going on in this in this, uh, in this this room. Hans, he's getting more threatening now. We see him take the silencer off his gun, which yeah. I don't really know why he did that. Exactly. Yeah, he really, I want to give him more time, I guess. He seems Maybe. like a, a guy that doesn't really want to kill anybody. But he's more than willing if it, if he thinks it's necessary. I think yeah. he just wanted to get through this. Like he wanted, like I said, he wanted. He's going the business route. Like if he can just get what he wants and then leave, then obviously he'll do that. Yeah, like it's not, it's not until Takagi decides that he's not going to give him the code, or he keeps up the ruse, like he doesn't know the code to what? get into the vault. I took a note. Like Takagi is so sweaty, so sweaty during. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. really sweaty. He could use a towel. So he's like, like. It's a it's a good performance because it's like he he really plays it convincingly of a guy who isn't really keeping it cool, but he's like still kind of keeping up the illusion. But you can tell that his nerves are are, are about to bust, especially when you compare him to Alan Rickman, who is at this point ice, like totally ice cold, calm. Ice, he's ice cold baby. Ice cold, he doesn't like even blink business. once in this. Who we killing, dude? Yeah. <laughs> and he had that great line too. It's a nice suit. It'd be a shame if I had to mess it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Eventually. Eventually, you know, Takagi's like, yo, you, you'll just have to kill me. And yeah, so then what happens? Why well, he just shoots him? Yeah. Right shoots him dead. Sprays right there. pizza like crazy. There's this <laughs> blood splatter goes through the window. His brain it just lands on, on the, the window. Floor. Yeah, it's like this this red goop yeah. all over it's it. It's great. It's a great all effect. Window, it's all over disgusting. the carpet. Like yeah. ludicrous. Well, not quite ludicrous, but gives all over the place. And then we have a, a nice cutback to Argyle after all this. Oh, yeah. He's like talking to friends. He's just like. Yeah, Argyle is a player. Telling st- oh yeah, because I think he's he's talking to some chick. You can oh, tell yeah. he's on that car phone, man. <laughs> and he's like, my boss thinks I'm in Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some shit like that. So we find out that we have 30 minutes to break the code, two hours for something, and the seventh block is is totally up to fate. Yeah, the like, way that this um this whole electronic system works is that's why they've got Theo there. Theo's the guy who can hack through the majority of these locks. He's got. I think Han says he's got about two hours to start. Well, he's got to hack through the first one, and then he's got to use a drill to get through the next five and then the seventh one he can't deactivate on his own they have to have a miracle (laughs) Christmas miracle now they have to uh, shut down the power in order to get the last lock to deactivate which is why it's all part of Hans Gruber's plan which is to eventually have the police come and follow their standard procedure and cut the power to the building and therefore release the final lock and let them get to the bonds okay I didn't really understand all that when I was watching it the technical details of like uh, yeah I well, I guess we'll get to that later, but, like, why does he want the police, or why does he want the FBI? 
guy to show up so much. I mean, wouldn't he rather be in and out of there before law enforcement? Because um, because the FBI plays by the FBI. They play by the book, like they to the T. So he studied that shit. Yeah, he knows knows what the response will be. He knows what the response is going to be, and he plans to use that to his advantage to get through the last. Yeah, we find out that that works when uh they send Carl's brother up to investigate, and this is like our first Mm. fight scene, I guess you could say. Yeah, because they figure somebody up there doing some shenanigans and we gotta figure out what's going on. He yeah, pulls a gun on the blondie. Is that Carl's brother? Does yeah, John on, pull, um, draw a gun on him? Drop it, dickhead. It's like, oh, you want with me? That was the rules for cops. Get into a big fist of cuffs. And he knocks his glasses off. And he rides this dude down the stairs, basically, and breaks his neck and kills him. And the whole fight scene yeah, is really good. Right. Like, every... It's a really good fight scene. All mm-hmm. the fight scenes in this movie are whole... really good. Damn. Yes, damn. they are. So, yeah, he falls down the stairs with him, breaks his neck. He kills Carl's brother. And he tries to take his shoes, which is pretty funny. Too and he's small, like, yeah. He's got that great line. More terrorists that kill with feet is smaller than my sister. <laughs> <laughs> he's still shoeless after this point. Yeah. But he gets an upgrade in the arsenal department. He takes Carl's machine gun. Weapon. Carl's brother's machine gun, yeah. And then he uses his body as a, a scare tactic for the criminals down below. He puts his body on a swivel chair, sends him down the elevator, and on his shirt we got the iconic ho 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 now i have a machine gun which <laughs> i i wondered if that was really a good idea because i mean he's now they know that one of theirs has been killed and he's also giving up the element of surprise they know for sure there's somebody up there who's a badass and that they need to come get hmm. so i was like i was thinking like if i was in john's shoes would i have made this whole crazy display <laughs> of, of me fine of, of getting one of them? another batman connection yeah. And the Joker throws the fake Batman or the Batman wannabe oh, at the news yeah. windows or whatever. Yeah. And it's, uh, doesn't there I, a message on that? I think that's something. Yeah, I think there is. Oh, and I think that's something we'll maybe talk about more as this, as this wears on. Of it, it feels like maybe the Dark Knight was influenced by this movie. There's a few things. Like the yeah. more I hear you um, talk about that and make those comparisons, it does really make it seem like a progenitor for the Dark Knight. It really hits like a lot of similar beats. It doesn't play out it's exactly similar, the but same. It's but. very different but still similar. Yeah. So uh, they find out that Carl's brother's dead, which Carl does not take very well. He no, is Carl, mad Carl as I mean, shit. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this is his brother, so I can totally understand. Oh, man, Carl's great but in this he, movie. Yeah, he's very good. Flipping over and, tables. And smashing and it, shit around. But, but it also yeah. highlights another thing that shows that even with him rampaging about, Hans Gruber, he's still the man in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, he stops when Hans grabs a hold of him and tells him to cool your jets. We'll find out who this guy is but for now we gotta stick to the plan yeah, Hans mm-hmm. does not get emotional over this loss he's no point still, he's still all business you're on the job dude you gotta play it straight and he does not want this guy tweaking out and fucking this up there's a shot in this movie right after this part that is one of my favorites and it's this shot where John is on top of one of the elevators kind of riding up the elevator shaft going up through the innards of the building and the way it's look, the way it looks the way it's framed it almost looks like rather than him moving up it looks like almost like the building is moving down around him huh. it does and yes it's only like two three four seconds long but it 
really stuck in my mind, and I thought it was a great visual. It's nice as he like slowly makes his way through like the bowels of the building, like because it's an unfamiliar environment for him. He's never been there, so he doesn't right. know. Which is something that plays into a key part, like coming right up where he finds the uh, the nudie poster on the wall, and he's kind of <laughs> oh yeah, oh that weird guitar yeah, twang, that, the guitar, the, the guitar that. twang. <laughs> it comes back up later where he taps the poster. And he's like the girls because that's him leaving a landmark so he can help himself find his way around uh, a little bit easier. It should be a video game, like a really good video game. Well, it was a video game. It just well, sucked they ass. should make it a better video game. I think they did game. make like a modern, a more of a modern one in like 2007 or 8. I read about it. And yeah, Carl's freaking out because his brother's dead and Holly makes some comment about how she knows that it must be John who's doing these shenanigans. Yeah, she tells that to Eli. So, yeah, with these terrorists. Goes, uh, John goes up to the roof and he gets on the radio to the local uh, police dispatchers there in LA. Mm-hmm. And they do not believe that this is a genuine call. Because he's not on a, uh, a public channel, like he's on a private channel because the radios are on their own uh, their own private network or server or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah, they don't believe him. Which is odd, because you think that like any call that you would make to an emergency service, like they would at least send somebody to investigate. Well, the, the reason, I think one of the reasons that they don't is that they like they mention among themselves oh, it's coming from the same place where we just got that false fire alarm, so it's probably just another bullshitter. Yeah, and that's when he's like, does this sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Oh my goodness, sir. Please calm down. Goodness. Gracious me. (laughs) That I do agree with until they hear gunfire over the the radio and the the phone. know where he is because they can hear everything that he says on the walkie-talkie too. Yes. Because they have their own walkies and they... So uh, that's the thing. It's like, you have to be careful about what he says on on the walkie because they're going to be in on it. So they go up to the roof to kill him. Well, and then the police, don't they decide to send someone? Yeah, they do. They do. Just they like just off the channel. They're like, nah, if I can just send somebody out there anyways, just in case. You just send anyone that's local on the beat. That's yeah. What I get. Well, he gets shot, and he gets shot at by like <laughs> he gets shot at like a billion times, and then yeah, we see Reginald Bell Johnson for the same time, and yeah, like you're saying, it's from Family Matters, <laughs> Officer Family Matters, yeah. Officer Family Matters, Al buying some donuts and some coffee. There's some Twinkies, like, I believe. Light banter between the cashier and this big ass John Candy looking cashier. Right. Well, the two the two lesser henchmen who as of yet don't have names they are they're pinning it down with fire meanwhile Carl in a scene earlier when they're locking the load and getting ready to go for to the roof he's taking time savoring putting that gun together because he's gonna kill this guy that killed his brother he's mm-hmm. gonna enjoy That's, every second of it yeah mm-hmm. like he, well he mentions that on the way up like if anybody kills him it's gonna be me yes he's my bitch <laughs> yeah, so he will have his revenge have my revenge mm-hmm. so the two lesser guys they're um, pinning him down and Carl is like just slowly making his way over to where John McLean currently is. He opens fire on him and then John, in a ditch effort, he dives back into the bowels of the building. like Back into the elevator shaft. And it, it was a different part. It was, wasn't it more like the ventilation shaft? Because it had that big fan uh, in yeah, the way. Um, and he uses the gun. It's, his gun is like a grappling hook. Yes. So he like propel down into the, the air shaft or whatever it is with, by the strap. And he... High quality craftsmanship on this gun too, being able to uh, hold up an entire human being by just the, uh, yeah. the strap. and it's not the gun that, that starts to give out. out. It's the wall around the gun. It's yeah. just yeah. to pull it in with his weight. He jumps down the elevator shaft where he falls and he's able to just, you know... He's able to catch himself on one and of them. one of these crazy movie things. Uh, like, I don't think that that would... That you, like, you'd have to have incredible hand strength to just 
catch a narrow ledge yeah. like that with your bare again, hands. Video game, I think dude. it's possible, but it's. Mm-hmm. You could do it. I feel like there's a lot of parkour shit. Oh, do you think you could do it? Day. Not how me. Personally. How big of a ledge are we talking about? We're talking about like just it's it's like the um, it's entrance, the entrance to, to uh, a ventilation shaft. A vent. Like so, there's the the, the square. Uh, let's say it's like a um, what like a three foot by four foot rectangle. There's like plenty of room for him to actually grab onto mm-hmm. it and lift himself up. But the the question is, it's probably a good. Would, would he say, break his fingers? Would he, he break his fingers like falling, falling from like eight, seven, seven been, eight feet? Yeah, probably? I mean, he'd been falling for. How much did a sec, like a second much? or two. Yeah, and like enough to uh, cup yeah, your like up fingers to like, over. Yeah, like up to like the second knuckle on your fingers is where he gets it like falling yeah. from like seven, eight feet and also hitting the wall first and then grabbing onto it. Do you think I you think can do that? I think it's possible, but I mean all the Be hard back balls. Thinking, thinking of anyway, if you're falling, you're falling obviously far, so you're getting quite a bit of speed. Yeah. So it's a matter of trying to grab and hold as you grab. Yeah. Secondly... With the bumping and the jarring from hitting the wall, unless of course hitting the wall slowed him down enough to grab the ledge, or if he grabbed the ledge right at, right before he hit the wall, I would say if he hit the wall after he'd probably lose his grip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of reaction of hitting yeah. the wall. Well, that's the thing is like but, I feel like with hitting the wall, I don't know. We have to call the MythBusters on the real physics. I feel like <laughs> they probably could, already did. I feel it. like it could go both ways because maybe bumping into the wall could just by a slight amount slow him down, and with with the friction of his body rubbing against that wall, or it could go the other way. It could bounce right off of it so but in the movie it works that's all i guess we really know that's well, a movie. movie it works pretty nerve-wracking scene too because that shaft looks incredibly deep oh no like, this whole very, movie is very tense. like sense i've seen vertigo. it a couple times and it's tense and that's it's one of those things we're talked about like yeah i mean it has i guess it has like a lot of action movie cliches or did it create the cliches because it's it, i feel like i've seen the similar thing in other movies. Maybe thinking of Empire Strikes Back, like Luke Skywalker on Bespin getting launched down that air shaft and barely That's catching true. himself on that little windmill <laughs> whatever the hell it is yeah but he's got the force yeah. cloud city yeah that's true he's got a lot I think he got the force high midichlorian out of him into that <laughs> Carl sees what vent Brucey crawled into so he goes down to that floor and he pumps that vent full of lead like a thousand rounds yeah the, the shot's like somehow every miss. single bullet misses yeah. well a couple of them did come pretty close like there was yeah. that shot of him looking at the bullet hole in the vent that was like probably less than a foot away from him yeah, while he was pretty close yeah yeah. But we, we, yeah, then we met, hear them mention something about the police in German Polizia, so that we know Officer Family Matters has approached the building. <laughs> police, uh, it looks fine. It looks normal. There's two guys up front. They already know there's a Christmas party, I assume. He's just like, oh, it's okay. I guess I can go home. And that's when McLean throws a body. It looks like he's about to leave. He seems kind of, he, he went in and talked to the guy. He seems pretty satisfied. And yeah, seems that's wrong, yeah. Bruce Willis throws a man out the window, a dead man out the window lands, lands right, right on, his on Family Matters windshield. Yes, because before that, he was trying to signal him because he's back to Kagi's office, yeah, grabbing a chair. He's smashing it against the window, which Doesn't has got break. like yeah. double thick industrial strength grade glass. He does eventually get it open though, but once he realizes that Officer Friendly is driving away, he yeah, the guy that he was fighting just moments ago takes his body and tosses him out the window like yep. a bag of garbage. Oh, this was kind of weird as soon as this fucking corpse lands on <laughs> on al's cruiser the other terrorists just start opening up on him like he gets yeah 
shot at like a quadrillion <laughs> times. Like as he's in full reverse, it's like let this guy leave. Why are you trying to kill him? If you kill him, you know just backup's gonna come anyway. I don't know. Well, they probably they probably saw him throw the body on there, and they figured in a last ditch effort, probably they could get lucky and hit him in the car. That way, he couldn't signal for backup. At but they're gonna not, somebody's yeah. gonna come looking for this. Didn't guy. he say at this point was he was like all it's all clear? Like he was about to leave. He was gonna go back to the donut well, shop. Yeah. Yeah. So he told them it was fine. So what? So the, they wouldn't have sent him back up. Anyway. Yeah, would have bombed a little more time. No, but I mean, if, if no, yeah, but if, I mean, if if a cop is like in a cruiser and like you just hear him getting shot at on the other end of the radio, would it be on though? It's not well, on the all thing, the time. Even if it's not on, but if if he lived long enough as he's being shot at to just be like help, yeah. well, because he was, that's he was, what, and even if, even if like you, maybe they get a lucky shot, even if he even if he wasn't, if this guy is just un uncalled for, not uncalled for, but if he's just if nobody knows where this guy is for like a half an hour 40 minutes somebody's gonna come looking for him they yeah. know where he is they know he's out well they know he, they might be, like, he checked out that place and said it was alright yeah he if said no it was more cool calls come into him so they're not gonna but like, if somebody is like somebody's gonna radio for him are they gonna oh, yeah, expect him to radio back eventually but maybe yeah, two hours can, away like, I don't think I don't think I don't think it would be 30 minutes oh he's gonna call for back right now yeah but they're or somebody they're in the middle of Century City in LA Somebody's gonna hear no, a no, hail no. of automatic no, no, gun no way, dude. Nobody's, nobody's gonna call. call no in. Yeah, nobody. It would depend. Shit. It would yeah. depend on how it's high up the they were because oh, yeah. it would depend on how high up they were. I know that they were like lower on the building because when they were on the roof earlier, after when friendly matters, he got that call from dispatch to go check it out. He, there's a scene where he's outside of the convenience store. He looks up at the building, and if you look at the top of the building, you can see like the muzzle flash from the guns from that far away, but you can't hear them. So I don't know how loud or how far bullet noise travels. I know how far the bullets travel. Pretty loud, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, for me, I, don't know. I just don't think you can light up a cop car with like a hundred rounds in the middle of downtown Los Angeles, and nobody's even gonna. Notice. Well, it's Christmas. Everybody's at home. And a lucky that's true. Like, you said about a lucky shot. I mean, first of all, they have to get the bullets through said corpse yeah. into into friendly matters, his face area, and I mean it's. Just it's. I mean, it's unlikely, and we know how. I mean, it's. It kind of contradicts how, how smart we think these terrorists are going to be. Yeah, it does. I think it was kind of weird in the whole. It doesn't like derail the movie for me in any any form. I do see what you mean, though. Like how long it would take. It wouldn't. Be, it wouldn't be long for them to be, be like, where Where's this officer? He's got a job to do. Especially if he's like maybe even towards the end of his shift and he doesn't yeah. come home. And his. I mean, his wife might call. That's a good like, point. Hey, he was on his way home, and they're going to have to. Like, oh shit, we gotta figure that out. I don't oh, know. Dude. So, yeah, we have another Argyle cut, and he's just another shot of him jamming out in the back Isn't seat of his, his watching limo. the news. Oh, no, he turns on the scanner, maybe. I don't know if this much movie? happens. I think, it, nah, I think I this shot is just yeah, him just listening that. to music. Yeah, he's listening to music. He doesn't even hear the uh, cop car. Like, he was the only one that was probably close enough that he would have heard it and been aware of what was going was on right loud, off. Though. The music was too loud. He's got his sunglasses on. He's jamming. He is hanging loving out with that life. Teddy bear. Hanging out with that teddy bear. Yeah. Great time. More cops show up, I think, like really soon, though. Um, yeah. Because he does get it out on dispatch that he's being shot at. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't John call Snape? Yep. Tells him he's no security guard, bitch. Yeah. Fucking real deal. It's a power move. Makes some joke about double jeopardy. Yeah, some bullshit. There's a lot of pop culture references and magazine references and stuff throughout this thing. He says, uh, this is no cowboy movie. There's no time for action heroes and shit like that. Yeah, say no 
party. This ain't no disco. Yeah, this ain't no, ain't no fooling, fooling around. around, dude. It reminds me of that part towards the end of Resident Evil 4 when Sadler's talking to Leon saying about how the uh, American hero is just a cliche that only happens in your Hollywood movies. I think video games borrow from this movie, dude. Some calls uh, John a cowboy. He's like, cowboy. don't be a hero, cowboy, or whatever. And I never made the connection. John McClane, John Wayne. John McClane uh, behaves. I don't know if you guys have seen a John Wayne movie before, but he behaves really. a lot like John Wayne in one of his movies. Like no, the best John Wayne movie is fucking what is it Silent Man Quiet Man uh, The Quiet Man Quiet that Man. movie's a piece of shit that what? movie sucks ass I hate that uh, movie that movie's great I've like, never it's seen just any John Wayne like, movies. Slapping around women and shit. That's all he's doing. No, I just like the uh, I like the end parts. What? When they ride the horse? When he the guy all through the town. <laughs> John McClane is talking it's to Hans very, Gruber yeah. on the radio. They got some witty banner going back and forth. Basically, who's got a bigger dick? That's what it really boils down to. And then we get the Yippee motherfucker. Yep, the most famous one-liner, I guess you could say, in this movie: Yippee Kaye, motherfucker, which yep. will be repeated. In all of the sequels to come in some form or another. Oh, yeah, I call him a orphan of a bankrupt culture. <laughs> this is brutal. Well, so mean. Um, he found a cigarette. Well, some dude he killed. Yeah, he lit that up. Which is weird because good guys in movies, they usually don't smoke. It's usually the bad everyone guys that smoke. smoke. Well, everyone did. Yeah, it was more of a... Um, it was a different time. It was more casual yeah. smoking, definitely, <laughs> back then. We'll also get, like, after this, our first glimpse of this reporter. I forget his name, but he picks a story up. Is that Harvey? Scanner. Is that his name? Uh, maybe. John takes the detonators. He finds that yep. shit. Uh, Snape seems fine with yeah. reaching out to the police. Because it's all part of his plan. He said yeah. that they're moving a little bit faster than he intended. He probably didn't intend for the police to show up for another hour or so. But yeah, yeah he's like, he's not faced by this at all. He's like, calm down, calm down. Police intervention was inevitable, but it just means that things are going to be moving a little bit faster. That's all. Yeah, my read on this guy later in the movie was he was probably you at a certain point he starts to show panic and anxiety mm-hmm. and fear and i think he was probably worried quite a while before he actually started to show it because yes john's talks to al a little bit and he's like codename roy baby <laughs> don't the detectives show up around this point and they start taking over the the game get the police um, finally show up and then we get our first appearance of the principal from the Breakfast Club, yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul Gleason. Yeah. Paul Gleason, yeah, he's cracking terrorist skulls. I and guess. yeah, he's a fucking idiot. He's a fucking the he's stupidest piece of shit in this movie. It's ridiculous. Like he wonders <laughs> if, yeah, he wonders if, oh, maybe maybe John's McLean is actually terrorist. The dumbest thing I think he says when somebody, yeah, gets dumped out a window onto a police <laughs> cruiser. Oh. He was probably just some dummy lost a bunch of money in the stock market. Your mind bender. Well, yeah, he says he could be like a bartender or something like just because he said he knew how to spot a fake ID you can only you can make the argument that he's just going by the books like he's trying to uh books. <laughs> well, the police like, they oh, get, they get the books. No, I know, but like this guy is so. Oh, I think he's just dumb. trying to wrap it up quick. He's quick to send in the SWAT team. He just wants to go home and have like some mashed potatoes and shit. Probably. Yeah, that's his key character motivation. He, he wants, wants to get. I feel. Potatoes. I get the sense that he just wants to wrap this shit up. It's just a huge inconvenience in his time, and he just wants to fucking go, man. He wants to go home. He sends them in pretty fast, and everyone's like, "Dude, that's a bad idea. You don't want to send the SWAT team in." But they do it anyways. Yeah, they get him in this like uh this big. 
badass armored jeep. Was it? No, it wasn't a jeep. It was more like a, like a land tanker. It reminded me it of was, Batman's uh, Batmobile in the new ones. But yeah, we see a little see before Richard that. We see. I was gonna Pryor. say we see Richard Pryor as a SWAT guy. An hour like, and ten minutes in, Richard yeah. Pryor shows up. No joke. And he gets oh like, shit! Seriously, yeah. Yeah. And he gets like himself caught on a flower or something. It's like oh yeah, it's like a second scene. But he's just like he makes the noise. It looks like him, and he's just wow. It's weird, but yeah, look for that. All this time, I never knew that he was in this movie. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like a blink and you miss it cameo. Pretty sure. Uh, Mad Dog steals candy bars. I call him Mad Dog from the raid. (laughs) That's what he looked like to me. He did look like that. Pretty insensitive, but... Candy placement, some candy product. I like stuff like that, though, when they do that in movies, when you've got, like, a team of usually faceless bad guys or, like, just... But they have, like, little personality. They have, like, little personality quirks like that. Like, if you were waiting for the police to come and you saw, like, a shelf full of candy, like, maybe you're a little hungry. Like, why not not grab a candy bar while you're waiting? Might as well. You gotta keep energy levels up. That's true. Yeah, they, they send in this thing that looks like kind of shit L.A. Police Chief Gates would send in to bust up crack houses. And those, <laughs> uh, those batter rams. It's on loan from the DEA or something. I wrote, Usher gives up and parks in the middle of the road. Yeah, like he tells the teddy bear to shut up. Teddy bear's telling him, uh, tell him told him so. Oh my the God. shit was going to get crazy. Well, Gleason tells him to go in and kick ass. Because yeah. um, he thinks that that's going to work. But these guys are professionals. Like, they know but better. The, the Joker, Theo, he is, calls in on everybody and he takes... He starts reciting a, a night before Christmas. Twas a night before Christmas. Yes. And he, yeah, and he adds in, like, not a creature was stirring, not even two assholes, or a bunch of, like, assholes moving through two-by-two two formation. And he explains exactly, play-by-play, play, what's going on. Like, he's got all the positions mapped. Fucking yeah. nanomachines, man. So they prepare him up. Yeah, dude. <laughs> they're totally in sync. They're all in sync. But no, um, so they're all planned up, so the bad guys know exactly where these guys are going to show up, where they're going to yeah, strike, and where they're coming from. The RPG of love. <laughs> yeah, and blow the this fuck. thing the fuck up. This tank-looking thing. Yeah, it gets stuck on the stairs. Yeah, it gets stuck it on the stairs. It it's like the worst so design it's ever. The shittiest fucking machine ever. And they don't shoot it just once. They shoot it multiple well, times. They, yeah, like, so what happens in the, in the meantime? Like John McClane, he's telling Hans to stop it. Like, there's no because um, these guys they don't know what they're up against, but he does because mm-hmm. he's seen firsthand what what they have for supplies, what their agenda is, all of that, and they're not gonna stop, obviously, because yeah. they're, they're bad. <laughs> so, he takes the plastic explosive that he picked up from the guy he killed earlier, he wraps it onto a swivel chair, and he puts a computer on top yeah, of it CTR to weigh it down. Yeah, CDR monitor. just places it on there, like, and then, down. And then he shoves it down yeah. the elevator shaft. He wrote, like, you know, he sets them up the bomb. <laughs> And it was like AD 2101, all rolled up into one night, all up in here. Does, he shoves it down an elevator shaft. But I'm thinking, like, at this point, as much as I like this movie, but I think a flaw with it is how the characters are a little bit one-dimensional at times. You have some characters like like John and and Al that are just always right. Mm -hmm. And then you have Paul Gleason who's just always wrong, and I feel like they just wrote him in for us to have somebody to hate. Like some form of opposition. Like an outside opposition besides the main threat or it's wrong. just to, to show off a contrast between like law, like positive law enforcement are there's like a fucking joke and the terrorists are the fucking the real McCoys like they're actually organized and they they know what they're up against and they, they have all of the intelligence and shit but law enforcement wasn't always wrong in this movie it's really just this one guy I mean John McClane's law enforcement too yeah but I mean he's out of his own he's one but... he's one dude compared to like the FBI the whole like LA police squad no, you do uh, have 
Al. Like you do have a very good point there, with the exception of Al and John. For the most part, a lot of the police they're portrayed as bumbling. Before yeah, they're so either psychopaths. How, how many other cops do we green. actually get to know? It's really just like one yeah, but guy. you see a shitload of them. And yeah, but they're all, all following that one guy's order. Exactly, so it, and that guy's an idiot. It's not. Yeah, so it's not that it's not. So we got not their fault. Are dumb. So we got it's, three buffoons and two like okay guys. Nope. So nope. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. It's like nobody's. Yeah, it's nobody's not, right in half the time and wrong half the time. You have two guys that are on the money, and then these some a few other jokers that are fucking just jokers all the time. These these other fucking SWAT guys, they go in, they get shot to shit. He goes, just wound them, Gruberies, just just wound them. <laughs> I guess just to, like, get attention uh, yeah. or something. Maybe to freak him out, probably. Well, because he's probably stalling for time. I mean, yeah. he doesn't want to outright destroy them all because then they'll send in heavier artillery. He's probably just going for the method that will give him the most time to do what he needs to do so he can get away. At least that's my guess. I don't know if it's right or not, but that's what yeah. I believe. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of weird things in this movie that happens. But, yeah, then they do. They They fucking just blow this tank looking thing up again it's for good measure i guess the explosions are huge they're pretty awesome and yeah this part did kind of remind me of the raid raid redemption uh how you have these like that's that's a movie where this one this kind of towering building is totally controlled by criminals and these cops go in to take the criminals out but everything just like in this movie goes terribly wrong <laughs> and then after that was yeah when he does the uh, the thing with the the c4 and the computer monitor yeah which do you think the computer monitor contributed to the size of the blast do you think that had anything to do with it i don't it? think it would increase the size of the explosion i think it might increase the toxicity because there's a lot of weird ass chemicals in crt monitors but was that a problem I, the movie? I, I don't remember any poison i thought no. i thought he just missed i was just thinking if it was real oh, okay i always thought he just the main reason he did the CTR uh, monitor just on it weight. just to weigh it down because those yeah, are heavy yeah, they, are, so they are they are fairly heavy and that's the other question I have can you blow up C4 just by like dropping it from a really high distance I thought he it was had the, the detonators at this point I think he? he did have the detonators that's true yeah. he did even if he didn't though I feel like it's probably volatile enough that if you dropped it from several stories with that much mass of course you know like say 5 or 10 pound computer monitor attached to it <laughs> that, I feel like that would probably fuck shit up I, I don't know uh, I'm not, never, a, I'm not a demolitions I don't know expert. Anything about C4. But that's my intuition. Because mm. it was quite a big explosion. Like, it was big enough to erupt, completely demolish the floor that it was floor, on. Yeah. And then the, the news blast. The freaked out, and he's like, <laughs> dude, tell me you got that. And he's like, like yep, oh my god. He's like, eat your heart out, Channel 5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy is, I think at that point, established as a slime ball because he's not real concerned about any people that might have actually been killed in this. It's just like, like oh man, we got some killer footage. Yeah, so we find out on news that Hans is a member of the radical West German Volksfree movement. Yeah. And he's been expelled from that organization. Yes. And then John reaches out to Al tell him what's up. He says, oh, we just need a fresh painted coat yeah. of paint and Shit some screen doors. Of screen doors. Shitload of screen doors. That's right. Chief, <laughs> then, mad at John. Yeah, like they talk, <laughs> they talk to John on the thing and, and uh, Dwayne, that was his name. He's <laughs> oh. bitching it. And he's like, oh, really? Well, you just got 
fuck fucked on national television. <laughs> yeah, and then which the is one of my favorite. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. Argyle's eating it up with a spoon because he got he blown the fuck out. No, that's probably one of my favorite lines from this movie as well. I'm not the one who got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, great, great line. One of my favorite lines this whole movie. Uh, Al gets the fucking walkie back from Dwayne, and he's talking about. He's like, man, I I love you. <laughs> we all love, a lot of the cops down here. We love you too, man. We got a pool going on you. I wrote a little heart in my notes. Yeah, I actually (laughs) tried to keep track of all of their encounters and put a, I guess, like, try to identify the stage of the relationship that they would be developing. So right here, I call this putting himself out there. He's just saying, like, hey, hey, Roy, dude, we love you, man. Stay with us. Pretty cool, dude. Gotta get a beer or some shit. And then we cut to Ellis taking a quick bump of cocaine off of his knuckle. He's he's psyching himself up because he's Mm -hmm. getting ready. Yeah, but I took a note earlier too that like, but yeah, like I was thinking about how like the the reason John is still alive at this point is really just because of Carl getting greedy and trying to take this guy out by himself. Yeah, <laughs> and because of that, he's able to kind of get away. Because Hans knew that, like he even tells him over the walkie before he cuts him off. If you just yeah. shut him into the uh, the ventilation right, system, yeah. then he would be totally neutralized and he wouldn't be able to get out. Like, yeah, like Hans still got a pretty cool head, but Carl, he's going buck wild, you know. Yeah, he's, he's out for blood. Loose. Yeah. He's messing everything up. So yeah, Ellis does. Yeah, he does a little quick snort. Yeah. He sees he's got a little bit of a habit going on. And yeah, he walks into the office there where uh, Hans is set up. Just like, yeah, this part reminds me of like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like, if Mac or Dennis was like, I'm, we're going to just solve the fucking diehard situation. And he's <laughs> like, he just basically tries to, to sell everybody else out just so this will all diffuse. Yeah, he's like, hey babe, I negotiate million dollar deals for breakfast. Boobie. Yeah. Eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> yeah, like what? Yeah, this is when you get his like shit-eating grin on full display right now. This is when he is like really, he's really shining in this scene because he yeah. be- he believes the stuff coming out of his mouth. Like he re- honestly believes that he can diffuse the situation yeah. through diplomacy alone. But it's wonderful, man. It is so pretty nice. Good. And I totally get him trying to do this. Like if mm-hmm. I was him, I'd probably just want to go home too. Get these. T- Harris out of here. They're not taking my money. Why do I give a shit? <laughs> yeah. So they just want to yeah. go home, dude. It's Christmas Eve, right? Yeah, it is. I believe yeah. it is. So essentially, yeah, he tries to sell John out pretty much by t- talking to him over the radio, saying about how Hans is going to kill him if he doesn't out himself. Yeah, and he really tries to sell it. Like he's like giving Hans a thumbs up and winking at him every once <laughs> yeah. in a while. And he's like, "Hey, baby, what do you think about this?" And I think even even. Hans was getting ready to maybe possibly buy into it if this guy could help him. He gives him a Coke. Like he Oh, I liked that they gave him a Coke. He's a Coke head. Get it? <laughs> he only pours a little bit in the glass, too. Why doesn't he fill up the whole fucking glass? Because you don't need to drink it all at once. Some people actually are capable of showing restraint, and they don't need to fucking guzzle down the entire can in less than two minutes. Restraint in the face of soda. Not this guy, dude. I gotta inhale that shit. Yeah, he's just gonna pull I have a soda no head. time to save to the I'm racing so we got 40 right games. <laughs> 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 
Bros will go. John, however, he's wise to this whole thing. He knows that Hans is playing Eli for a fiddle. He knows as soon as he gets what he needs from him, he's probably going to kill him. Yeah, is that me, bro? Yeah, and he's saying to to, to Ellis, like, yeah, like, dude, don't say anything. Don't be stupid. We don't, I don't know you, bro. Yeah. And you gotta tell him that you don't know me. He's, he's, because Ellis is trying to play up his hand by acting like, oh, yeah, like, they're old buddies or something, but they really aren't. They really just met earlier that day. Yeah. And yeah, so Hans cocks a gun. He yep. pulls a gun out and cocks it, and he's like, hey, baby, this isn't television. This, this is radio. This is radio. Not television. Yeah. Come on. Wants, he just wants these detonators. Hans does so bad. Yeah. Which, you can, like, illuminate this a little bit better for me. Like, why does he harp on about the dead detonators so much? Because they're integral to the plan. Like, without the detonators, he can't blow the roof, the roof of the up, building yeah. like he intends to. Oh, to take out the bit. FBI agents. So he needs to blow up the roof for this plan to work. And yes. that's why he needs... Okay. And that's why he's harping on the detonators so much. Because it is true. Like, like pretty much from here for like the next couple of scenes, it's just him harping on about, Where are my detonators? Yeah. Where are my detonators? He's big <laughs> on the detonators. Yeah. Ellis, he gets capped. He gets taken. Yep, out. he doesn't. He doesn't listen to John. Uh, it's really funny. He just looks at Hans when uh, John. It's clear that John's not going to help him, and he just looks over to Hans. He's like. <laughs> And then you just the next yeah. scene is him just nervous laughing away. away. It's so good. And oh, yeah, then see the hostages freak out. Mm-hmm. Takes the radio out, shows it, and like plays it so he can hear the screams of the people. And he's like, yep. "Where are my detonators? Look yeah. what he did. <laughs> Where, look what it did. Eventually, I will get to somebody that you do care about. How many more of them do I need to kill? Yeah, and, and Dwayne course blaine blames john he's, he's like he just little, gave him up he, he didn't even give a chance guy, yeah, yeah and isn't al like if he gave him up they'd both be dead right now yeah yeah and maybe that's true which i, I think he yeah i think it's a good chance it is true that's what um that's what al says like he's like weren't you aren't you reading between the lines mm-hmm. like they would have yeah. both been dead and then we would have been no better off than we were before and yep. Dwayne doesn't take kindly to this beat cop fucking hassling him this desk jockey desk jockey <laughs> And, That's true, uh, it was. Yeah, and so Hans starts making all of these nonsense demands to release these political prisoners in Northern Ireland and Sri Lanka and all these other places, and he explains, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, all bullshit. Yeah. It's all bullshit. He said he mentions he which read it in which, Time uh, Magazine. Yeah, which, yeah, John picks up on it, and somebody's like, one of the fellow terrorists, like, where'd you hear about these guys? Like, I read about them in Time Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so funny, because, like, yeah, it was Carl, he was like... Yeah, he gives that look. Oh, what? (laughs) Yeah, and like it's it's such a funny moment, and uh, and Rickman, yeah, he plays it great. Oh man, yes, he does. And yeah, he's pretending to be this political terrorist that he he really isn't. Yeah, he says uh, in Northern Ireland, seven members of the new Promo Front, Provo, I think, is in Provisional IRA. Yeah, Uh, Canada, five leaders of the Liberté de Quebec, Sri Lanka, nine members of the Asian Dawn movement, and that's 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 when he's like Asian. Asian Don, what the fuck? fuck is this? And yeah, John immediately is not buying it. And then it cuts to some, the news coverage of this event that's now going on. Yeah, you're talking about, this guy comes on, he's talking about Helsinki Syndrome, which is a misnomer <laughs> to begin with. It is Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, that's like, oh, I Helsinki, thought. Sweden. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's like Finland. Finland, bro. <laughs> 
Yeah, get it. And he looks like a fucking douchebag. Get it right On television, ass. he looks down. He's like, fucking such an asshole. So, it's like an, an XP for Stockholm Syndrome. What is Stockholm Syndrome so Stockholm for the people that don't know? Syndrome. I wrote down the definition from the movie. This is what the movie gives us. When the hostages and the terrorists go through a sort of psychological transference and a projection of dependency, a strange sort of tr- trust and bond develops. But I don't know what the actual de- definition of Stockholm is. That's pretty much accurate from what I've read. And um, the term comes from some... There was a hostage situation at a bank in Stockholm, Sweden, I think back in the 70s. And yeah, the term Helsinki syndrome is really common too, but apparently, according to Wikipedia, it's just a misnomer because I guess it's a neighboring country. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I had never heard of it from the terrorist standpoint, but more from the uh, the hostage standpoint, which if you have seen... Have you seen Dog Day Afternoon, either of you? Um, I have, I not seen have that but I was like really drunk and it was really late. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I mean, that, that that's a, a one movie where you really see Stockholm Syndrome, but the uh, vic- the victims, the hostages, start to identify with their captors, and rather than rooting for the police or whoever to come save them, they start to kind of root for the people who took them hostage. Yes. And it's like they, I don't know if it's some kind of twisted sense of gratitude for just these people who with guns who easily could have killed them didn't, and they kind of start to root for them and hmm. almost think of them as friends, which we see in this movie at least. It doesn't happen at Alice, I mean, it didn't work out for him, but he was one of those dudes that was like, oh, these guys are like chums. I can work with these dudes. I think he... So it's kind of a display of that. I think that was more of a case of inflated ego. Like, he... Yeah, that he thought he was so smart that, oh, I can just play these guys. And not that he identified with them or sympathized with them. He thought he was so smart that he could play these guys and and resolve this whole situation himself because he's so great. At least that was my take on the play he made. Yeah. That's about right. That's what I think, too. Around this time... Um, the FBI another, shows up. And their Agent Johnson and Special Agent Johnson. Yeah, no Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Johnson Johnson. No relation. S.C. Johnson likes. Um, <laughs> Hans, Hans goes on the hunt himself, and he goes up to the upper floors where John is. Yes, and there's a really it's a really cool looking scene. Well, he's not. It he's not. Looks like Freddy Krueger's boiler room. It's so it does a little steamy, bit. It's and there's a lot of pipes. Steamy, foggy. <laughs> he's not up there specifically. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very cool. Very lighting. perfect dark. Yeah. And we see our two leads here. We see John and Hans. They finally meet. Uh, a little bit unexpectedly, because he wasn't going up there necessarily to hunt for John. I believe he said he was going up to check the explosives yeah, to make sure that they were still the there. Yeah. He was going to... Okay, so it wasn't specifically to look for John, but, I mean, that is... Yeah, he winds up in uh, where John's been. And in this scene, you don't... I don't know if Rickman actually knows that he has met John McClane at this point, because later on they share a cigarette, and he's like, hey, do you smoke? And he's like, yeah. So then they have a cigarette, and they chat for a bit, and he's like, I'm John McClane, gives him that like Bruce Willis look and Rickman's face drops like from his cocky attitude his face drops and he's like oh shit this is the guy yes because at first he didn't know um he tried to play up the fact that he was a hostage that managed to get away just yeah. hanging out in the uh the upper sections of the building yeah. and that's when he throws on the American accent what did you guys think of his attempt at an American accent well, I love it my thought about it was he's he's in he's in layers of accents like I mentioned he's almost in layers of characters 
characters at times. And he's in, he's, think about the, the challenge of this. He's an English actor who's playing a German man trying to sound American. And I think he sounds pretty convincingly like a German guy. He uses guy all of his acting power. Trying that's to sound how, American. That's how powerful of an actor he is. And yeah, I thought I, I thought I really liked this. And it's, it doesn't it sounds off, but in real life it, it would have. I like it. Well, there was a, that was a, um, a little insider, little uh, behind the scenes action. Originally, him using that accent wasn't something that intended to be in the film originally at all. The mm-hmm. director was just impressed by um, Alan Rickman's ability to do an English accent that they decided to ad lib that into the movie. American. American accent, yeah, that's it. Too much booze. <laughs> Too much booze. Well, that's the thing. If he didn't know it was John, he must have suspected it, right? Because, I mean, who the fuck else would this dude be? I don't know. Why would his face drop like that? Yeah, I don't remember it that well, but maybe he suspected it, and now he has confirmation, and mm-hmm. that's why. I feel like he must have at least had an idea that this might be this. Who else would it be? Which, I don't know. It could have been, like, a SWAT team member who just happened to get through, In like, all the raid. It could have been... dropped down uh, out of his I mean, armor. there is also the low possibility that there was a completely unrelated person to all of this hanging out up there. So that's why he didn't want to give up the ruse right off if he didn't have to. Because he's a smart guy. Like, he knows. That's why he went for, like, the whole cowardly act kind of thing when he met him. That way he could kind of figure out who he was. Well, also that, you know, whether whoever it is in law enforcement that, like, yeah, this guy is smart, played off like you're the victim and not the captor. But the other, the reverse side of this that I didn't really pick up on first time I watched it, John must know this is Hans, right? Didn't he see him earlier? I mean, he saw him kill Takagi, right? Yeah, well, he gives him a gun. Yeah. And he's like, here, dude, you know how to use one of these things? And he's like, I shot, he gave some, like, hunting story or something somewhere, shot some cans I, behind yeah, the barn. I can't remember the story and, or something like that. And gives him a gun, and he's like, come on, let's go. And as soon as John McClane turns his back, Hans clicks. And he then, clicks the yeah. gun and he yeah. says Countdown something in uh, something. yeah he says something in German over his walkie-talkie. John antagonizes him. He's like, dude, come on, like something pulled it. I don't know, but he gets him to pull the trigger and it's not loaded. And he's like, oh shit, the gun's not loaded. Fuck you, man. Do you think I would actually like fall for that? And he <laughs> yeah, so he knows. Well, the thing that I had about this scene was at first I the first few times I watched it, I wasn't really sure how John figured out that it was Hans right off the bat when he first. Met him because you would think that if he knew it was Hans, he would kill him like right then and there. But then I noticed when he gives him the cigarette, the way that uh, Alan Rickman holds the cigarette is the European way that they smoke with the uh, thumb and the index finger. Yep. And um, while the American way is between the index finger and the uh, middle finger, which is where when he gives him that fake name, what was it? Uh, Bill Clay? Yeah. Something like that, using that quick little uh, side glance off the board. That's when he knows for sure, and that's when he gives him the gun with no bullets in it. Something I noticed while he was doing a U.S. accent, it was almost, the look on his face was almost like a grimace. (laughs) And I read that as a character thing, that this guy has such contempt for Americans that... (laughs) It makes him sick. Yeah, Yeah. that speaking in an American accent almost makes him physically ill. Yeah. (laughs) It does kind of sound like something, like a personality quirk that he would have. Pretty soon after that, terrorist reinforcements show up and fire about 12 trillion rounds. Yeah, he runs out into like the IT room, I'm guessing. Yes, it's a big computer. Yes, it's keep it's kept nice and cool in there. It's uh, it's Carl and um, one was it one or was it two other terrorist guys? I think it was two. It was it was two because one of them went down like right away. One of them, the kneecap just blows up. 
fuck out. It explodes yeah, like, like a water balloon. He his legs off. I fucking love it's the fucking yell ridiculous. that Bruce Willis crazy. lets out when he shoots him. He's like, <laughs> and And Hans gives him this look, which to me is like him thinking, like, damn, this guy's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the whole time, like, Yeah, thinking, like, I bet he wishes that John was on his fucking yeah. team because he's so good in this situation. Fucking awesome. But Hans gets the idea of, like, shooting at shooting at John's. He's going to waste a lot of bullets. Mm. Shoot the glass, dude. Because while they're talking, earlier, they're smoking shoes. a cigarette. This, time, this dude doesn't have any shoes on. Yes, he does pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. So they shoot at that. Using the environment to their advantage. I like that a lot. That there's yeah. a lot of traps. There are a lot of, like, on-to-on, like, you know, just head-on combat. Well, you had an interesting aside about this part, Sean, that uh, I didn't pick up on until you brought it up. That part where Hans tells Carl to shoot the glass in German. Yeah, and, and he just stares at him. Carl just stares at Hans like, what? And then he's just like, shoot the glass or whatever. And and he's like, oh, f- right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so weird. Well, I think, I don't know why they would leave this in the movie. But I, I think that actor who played Carl was actually Russian and not German. So maybe he mm. spoke English, but not German. Maybe it's like an like inside joke, maybe. Something <laughs> could be. I'm cool like with that. that. I thought that the, like the if like, we were going to look for like an actual reason as to why he would hesitate at first, it would be, um, why is my boss telling me to shoot the glass? Oh, Instead yeah, of yeah. shooting yeah, at the guy, it's like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah that's true. Sink into his fucking head. <laughs> that's why he's not number one. They shoot all the glass down, they decide to dip out. Oh, and Hans finds the detonators. He's he says, "Smile, Carl. We're back in business." <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I'm really like it's, everything blows up in the scene. It's great. It's like I remember thinking, like speaking of video games, I guess like uh, yeah, like double computers. Yeah, I was gonna say the computers blow up like in Goldeneye, and also <laughs> the uh, this part of this movie it. It looks and kind of feels like the beginning of the GoldenEye movie, and this is like another note that I took about how influential this movie, mm-hmm. uh, Die Hard, really seems like it was. Yeah. And yeah, Carl goes back down to the party floor, and he's super pissed. Yeah, what's he do? I can't remember. What does he do? <laughs> he smashes a bunch of cups and shit. And, like, yeah, he's like, he's flipping over gun. more tables. Yeah, he's like so smashing like the dessert cart. Holly's buddy throughout the movie just is like, gosh, that man looks really pissed. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's how, yeah, Holly is sure that John is still alive because only John could get somebody that fucking worked up. <laughs> yeah. angry. Which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. Well, that, well, that yeah, we, we kind of glossed over the part, reason why he's pissed off. It goes back to what you said when Hans tells Carl to smile, we're back at business. Because they get the detonators, but, but yes, yeah, they, they just get out of there. They don't bother to try to kill John. And Carl's like, but... But my revenge. I gotta. Yeah, like, I gotta get this guy. You can't, have my revenge. You can't yeah. take this from me. But <laughs> he's not dude? gonna disobey a direct order, so they go. Yeah. He's not happy about it at all. Yeah. Don't we get John like slithering his way into, into a bathroom? bathroom. Yeah, smearing blood everywhere. Like yeah, his feet are trail. diced up pretty good. This it's just makeup yeah. looks awesome. This effect is incredible. It looks so gross and painful. It really does. This whole experience. <laughs> like when he's pulling the glass out of his foot, out of his feet, it's just. You feel every shard of glass coming out. I don't know if yeah, you guys have ever gotten rough. glass. 
glass or anything stuck in your foot, but I have. <laughs> yeah, I've stepped on a on a toothpick and it like splintered it's all in my so foot. So shitty. I once it's jumped off a trampoline and there was a rake near the trampoline and the screw was sticking out or the nail was sticking out a little bit, flat end up. I jumped off of the trampoline and landed on that with all my weight, and I had to have that like pulled out of my foot, and that oh really fucking hurt. Yeah, that sucks. The yeah. worst foot injury I ever had was I was uh, walking around on the playground when I was a wee lad. I had sandals on. I remember that. And if you're familiar with those like wood chips, I don't know if they really do it that much anymore, but those like wooden chips and like just general bark and stuff that they put on the uh, ground of like the playgrounds yeah. and whatever. Oh yeah. Um, I stepped on one that was sticking straight up. It pierced straight through my sandals and went in between my toes, and Holy I ended shit. up getting a bunch of splinters on the webbing of my toes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's supposed to be just like soft mulch and shit. Yeah, this this bit of mulch was not soft. It was hard and rigid, and it did not rub <laughs> me the right way at all. Dude, so you feel that when he's just pulling these out, and he... Doesn't he call up Al a this little bit? all things considered, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Well, and he does need it, because at this point, mm. he's looking pretty worse for wear. Like, yeah, he has been banging the fuck up, and he is starting to... Hell of a night. His, yeah, his tankini was once white, now it's black. <laughs> like, <laughs> Me and the boys are taking bets on how long you're gonna last, and he's like, we'll be down for 20. I'm good for it, buddy. Yeah. I decided to label this first date. <laughs> Don't they start? Val opens up in this scene. Well, John asks him, yeah, why are you just a desk sergeant as he's picking glass out of his foot? And Al reveals that he accidentally, well, not accidentally, he shot a 13-year-old kid who was carrying a toy gun, and he thought Mm -hmm. it was real. And the movie gets really, like, emotional kind of all of a sudden. And he says, they can teach you everything at the academy. Except how to live with the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't deal with it anymore, so he took himself off the street voluntarily. Al tells John what's up with the LAPD and the FBI's in and all that shit. Kind of brings him up to speed, right? Yes. They said that um, the FBI is cracking open the terrorist handbook and they are going through the bullets one by one. Yeah, the FBI has them shut off the uh, like the electricity for like not just the building, I think, but for like even that whole chunk. Well, that's what the the, uh, the guy in the man hold cautions them. Yeah, they're like, talking dude, about I can't that. do this. Which, this guy in the manhole, he is an actor who's been in some other movies. Um, yeah? I don't think I recognize him. Um, have you ever seen The Burbs starring Tom Hanks? I think I saw like a little bit of it on TV once, but I don't remember well at all. It's a, it's a pretty good, pretty funny movie. He was his next door neighbor, and he was also in Groundhog Day. He was one of the huh. drunk guys that Bill Murray hung out with when he was talking about, what would you do if, if there was no tomorrow and he's like well there would be no consequences no anything like that it was that guy he's been in a bunch of other huh. movies like um, if you see him then you'll uh, you'll see him in those but he's a good actor yeah. I like him I liked him in this scene I'm always happy he to see him he was pretty good yeah. and I remember Paul Gleason in this scene also yeah. being pretty funny the FBI's you gotta do it cut the power or you lose your job and Paul Gleason's kind of fretting through this whole thing oh yeah. it was called the mayor oh boy but, yeah. Yeah, he, was, he was pretty funny <laughs> in this sweating. scene yeah he's great well they didn't want to cut the power because it's Christmas Eve like it, people it are was, gonna be, yeah. Yeah. People are going to be super pissed if they you got no probably, power. You cut someone's heat off. And, uh, the generator, the generator kicks on. But yeah, and then they go. We go back inside the building and we see that the vault finally opens to yeah. the strains of "Ode to Joy." It's great, and uh, the Joker just says "Merry Christmas." Who's the Joker? 
Theo. Theo. Okay. But yeah, like I wrote at this point, like I feel happy for the terrorists? Question mark? Because like yeah, the scene is is it just it's so good. Like the fucking light shining out of the vault and the music and look of fucking sheer ecstasy on fucking Hans's face and I'm like yeah, they finally got that shit. Oh, it's been a rough yeah. night for them too. Like fucking Bruce Willis has been fucking up their plans like at every turn pretty much, and for something to finally go right and see them being pretty happy about yeah. that. Inside the vault, there's samurai armor, there's a bunch of cash and bonds, there's artifacts, rare art. There's all sorts of things in this vault. They get the bonds they're here to begin with about this the uh, six hundred plus million in bonds. Al's like, what do we do? Arrest them for not paying their electric bill? And then Agent Johnson says, we make them sweat and then we give them the hellies. And Special Agent Johnson's like right up the ass, man. <laughs> Yeah, this is a scene with John talking to Al on the walkie-talkie to relay this message to his wife. Because he's pretty checked out at this point. Like, he doesn't think he's going to make it mm-hmm. from where he's at now. He's like, you could tell her that yourself when you get out of there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Like, it's just another scene to, like, really drive home the camaraderie that these mm-hmm. two have, even though they haven't seen each other face-to-face at all yet. Like, this, it, they're just voices on the radio to each other, pretty much. This is who John is, latching on to because it's this only outside world contact. There's also a little bit in this when Special Agent Johnson calls somebody on the radio and he's like, this is Agent Johnson and there's a pause and he's like, no, the other one. So on the other line, did he say the black one? Because that's what I get out of that. It's just like this thing that's it's probably yeah. happened to them before where yeah, like, like one what? of them calls. Yeah, no, I, th- I figure that's probably what they meant because I mean... <laughs> That's, that's kind of a legitimate clarifying question. I guess. I mean, how else are you going to tell these guys apart? These two guys named Johnson who seem well, to I mean, only work together. I mean, they do sound different, though. I would think that if they... Well, unless you never talked to them before. Yeah, that's true. You just know of them or something. But yeah, we have uh, the, the greaseball dickweed reporter. He shows up at Holly's house and grills the maid. Uh forget her name threatens to call the INS and that like she's like okay I'll do whatever you want. Oh, one. yeah, that's think, right. Think, is, is, is Holly employing illegal immigrants at her house? Maybe. I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, there's that's a good chance. doesn't want to pay full, full minimum wage. That's yeah. too much for her, I guess. But she still like wants an, to have a maid. It's like an 80s, it is a possibility. Dude. Did we um skip over the part after Eli dies? Holly sort of takes over as being, like, the voice for the the hostages on the building, like, talking to Hans, asking to bring out a couch because they got the, uh, the we, pregnant chick out we, there. I don't know. I think... Oh, um, yeah, we did. That stuff, that's in my notes, though. Like, either we already talked about... I think we already talked about it, because she was the... That was earlier, because she's been kind of the voice of the hostage group since Takagi got killed. But then again, no, we talked about Takagi. Doesn't she become the president, though, at a certain point? Um, Wasn't she VP? I don't know if she, I don't know if she gets the actual title, but I know that she's the one who, like, talks on their behalf and stuff, like getting them trips to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and right. Yeah. Stuff like that. She was Takagi's, um, like, second command is what's implied. The uh, FBI, they're getting ready to get in the helicopters. No, because they're getting ready to move all of the hostages up to, to the, the roof. roof. To get onto the helicopters to be shipped out. And yes. And John finds his way up to back into Freddy's boiler room to do some <laughs> investigating of his own and he finds all the C4 and he's like Jesus Mary mother of God and it's yeah it's a fuckload of C4 I thought the expendables must have set this up yeah, it's, it's a crazy. Lot. 
mm-hmm. and Carl, yeah, Carl catches him. Carl catches up to him. Doesn't he call Al real quick? He's like, Al, it's a double cross, and then bam, right in the cheek. Yeah, fucking out. Like, and Carl comes through and like hay makes him right there. Crazy fist fight. This is probably the most brutal fist fight in the entire movie. This I would say this say. is like almost like they live. Levels. Yeah, it goes on for about as long as that. Like this is just two guys that really, really hate each other, just slugging the shit out of each yeah. other. Yeah, well, I remember, like, he's John, like, punches Carl so hard, he's got him, like, shoved up against some barrels. It sounds like, yeah, somebody just dropping an anvil against the side of yeah. him from, like, 20 feet. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's fucking disgusting. brutal, and it's cr- so, it's a really intense mm-hmm. fight. I can't believe that he's still got the strength to um fight him off, because he looked like he was pretty banged up in the scene before. Like, he must have adrenaline pumping out of every pore of his oh, body yeah. in order to be able to keep up with Carl. For the most part, he is relatively unscathed. Like, he hasn't really been through the ringer as much as John has. Mm-hmm. John hasn't sustained any serious injuries, though. I don't think he's... His he feet. Yeah, he's yeah. on his feet well, the whole I mean, time. His, yeah, his feet, and weaving. His feet, yeah, his feet probably hurt like a mother bitch. But, I mean, <laughs> he hasn't... Bro- I don't think he's broken any bones. He hasn't been shot. He probably hasn't lost that much blood. He's probably tired, though, at but, this But, yeah, point. I mean... But, I mean, he's not, like, seriously, seriously injured. John, uh, John McClane, he ends up winning it. He strings Carl up. He wraps the fucking chain around his neck, and then he pushes him out and then lifts yeah, the chain up, pretty much hanging him, him yeah. up there like like a noose just about with the chain. And then he runs up to the roof where the hostages currently are. And the FBI, they're in their choppers getting ready to fly Yeah, they about. start rolling in. Agent Johnson's got that fucking huge sniper rifle. I don't know if you guys... Yeah, and he said, uh, just like in, uh, what does he say? Like in Saigon or whatever? And yeah. he's like, I, and like Agent Johnson's like, I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Hans finds out that Holly is John McCain's wife. Yeah, yes. he's he, on the news. He's yeah, on the news. Yeah, so he the kids on television. On the television. And notices Holly's face. And, and he's like, picks Holy up fuck. that picture that earlier that uh, the way Holly put face picks that down, picture up. <laughs> picks it up, sees the whole family portrait, and puts two and two together. Fucking done it. Yes. the code. So he decides uh, to use her as a little leverage. Finds out that Holly is <laughs> married to, or was, or whatever the fuck their current relationship status is. I don't know. Check their Facebook page, I whatever. I think, uh, uh, I think they were definitely still legally married, but I think it might have been like tech, you know, separated. Yeah. Um, he, the Hans, is with her. He's up on the roof. He's trying to get the hostages to get off the roof because he knows that they're getting ready to blow the top of the building. The hostages, they won't go down, so he starts shooting his yeah, gun into so the they air think like a he's crazy a hostage person. and start unloading on him. And that drives yes. him back into the hotel. After he finds that out, though, Hans, he kind of like that's what I wrote. Is he finally breaks character and kind of wigs out mm-hmm. and starts shooting his gun off himself. And yeah, we have another another line from the FBI guys is. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, we'll probably have 20, 25% <laughs> yeah. casualties oh, or, or fatalities or whatever. Yeah, I like can a, live, I with, can that. live <laughs> with that. Yeah. So we know these guys, like... They're also trying to wrap it up. They're, they're kind of... It's little, just a day... Almost like a little bit of a mercenary attitude. Yeah, well, they're also just doing a job real quick, too. Like, that's what they're doing. They're in there to take out the hostages, and then they're going home. And, like, it's the same with Hans and his goons. They're there to just do a job. So there's that parallel again. So really, is John's fall for every everything everything that goes wrong for both parties yeah yeah i mean that's that's kind of what i've I've thought of this guy is like that's his character though so that kind of makes it he's the wild card he actually calls it out at some point in the movie where he's like you didn't expect me fucker or whatever (laughs) and like (laughs) 
Yeah, he's like, didn't plan on this bitch. He's like, Serpico, motherfucker. He, like, he could have kept his, his nose out of things <laughs> and maybe kept things from getting so crazy. That's these not guys, how the NYPD rolls, brother. Oh, that he could have, yeah, just kind of let, let it go and these guys probably would have gotten out of there earlier. Maybe that dumbass Ellis might not have got killed. But it's, he, I think, yeah, I think he's a guy that he sees a wrong that he has the capability of writing or pre- preventing these criminals from getting what they want. So he's just going to do it. Well, I mean, yeah. whatever the consequences yeah, are, he's going to he's well, going to do it. Well, blowing the roof and killing all the hostages, like that's part of their um, their getaway plan. Oh, was so it? Well, they, I don't know if he knew, did he know that? I don't think that he sure. figured it out after he snooped on the roof and yeah. found all the C four, and then hmm. it's like Al's like, dude, it's a double cross. Get them the fuck out of there. Tell them to turn around. That was the final stage of the plan. They get the stuff. That's why they had like the fake ambulances and stuff. They were going to get it. That was their uh, their getaway car. Blowing up the roof was to make it look like they killed the hostages and themselves because as mm. uh, Hans Gruber put it, no one's going to look for you if you're dead. I don't know. Am I missing something? Yeah, blowing up the top of the building. Yeah. Yeah, but then what? Are uh, they going to like look for bodies of dead terrorists? They're going to... No, they don't know... Um, They'll find the bodies of the dead terrorists but they that have already been dead. dead. If they're, if they're they're all, no, there are some that are dead that are still littered throughout the, yeah, the hotel. Yeah, and if they're all blown up, like, I mean, yeah, they could identify them in their dental like records. Like dental records, stuff, but, but how long does that take? How, yeah, how long... Like, but when were they going to actually sneak out? They were going to sneak out in the, in the... Kind of like in, the Joker in the school bus. In the trucks and, like, the uh, ambulances that they brought. They had all those ahead of time. When they were coming in, like, at the very yeah. beginning part of the movie. Like, the cars so they were gonna driving they were going to go in. from the top of the building... No, they were going to be down on the lower floors. Nobody was going to know that they were going to be Yeah, because they were getting the ready to go. The vault was open. They yeah. had what they needed. They were just all, waiting for the uh, FBI to cut yeah, the power. All of the and hostages and the, the FBI roof. are going to be on the roof. That explodes. That's a huge distraction. Fire trucks, more police, ambulances come through and they have their own ambulances that they slip out of amongst the chaos yep. and they're gone and it's assumed maybe if it really does go according to plan it's assumed that they're dead they could identify their dead bodies through dental records or whatever but that could take a long time At the which very gives them enough time to get the hell I mean, somewhere there's, else there's such yeah. a thing as a, like a perimeter though they would have had to like bust through the police would have had to sh- set up they get into these ambulances they just walk into ambulances in front of a bunch of cops paramedics no that's that's already parked in like the parking garage yeah in the parking garage so how do they get to the parking garage from the building the elevator yeah they just take the elevator the stairs or something because they're not on the top floor like the vault and all that stuff that's on the uh, 30th floor isn't it which is where the party and all that stuff was and like his office and such that was was the 30th floor yeah Yeah. but spatially I'm just not but yeah amongst the chaos I guess is the idea that they would be able to slip out yeah because no, they're not expecting, like, the FBI thinks they have this by the balls. They're, they're, they're flying up there. They're going to, like, we're going to take out the terrorists. We're going to lose some of the hostages, and it's going to be a clean case. Like, we're just going to fucking go and get this shit done and go eat some frozen pizzas and have a beer, bro. And so the roof <laughs> blows up, and that's just, like, a huge red herring. Like, holy fuck, like, did not see that coming, dude. So then they have to, like, try to change their plan really quick. Meanwhile, Hans and his goons are already, like, completing their whole well, what's plan. left of them, anyway? Yeah. Like, it'll probably be easier for them to get away since they just the money. It still sound like I get it, but it still sound it just still just sounds iffy to me. Yeah, I mean, I, that they would have been able to sneak past, like I said, like a bunch of cops and firefighters and and real paramedics. I mean, it's not impossible, but even if they pulled it off flawlessly, to me, it sounds like like a long shot. Maybe kind of. it yeah. would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't. And these, I don't know. Maybe that's what Theo told Hans, and he was like, "Theo, never tell me the odds." Maybe. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's pretty far fetched. I don't think the script is perfect. I don't. 
don't think it's like a totally like flawless story. It's still it's just kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't not disagreeing. I'm just yeah. I'm just trying to like I, I don't know. I just kind of watched it one and a half times, and I was like, didn't completely get what they were like. Say so, yeah, like like if this really was pulled off with no no hit without a hitch, what was it? What they were gonna do, and like would it really work? Um, but, uh, I don't know if it would. I don't know. That's a fair question to ask. I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe by the end they they're so they're they fucking believe it's gonna work, and by the end, like they just kind of get caught by you know. I mean, in the universe of this movie, though, I mean, maybe it's more likely than in real life. I, I get the feeling that they had like the way Hans talked about it. I felt like they had done it before, and it did work. Whatever it was that they did, yeah. yeah. Which maybe they're gonna repeat the same thing, or maybe this is the one last cable of the road. I mean, six hundred. Yeah, what million, could go wrong? Which. In, which is roughly double in today's money. I mean, that's one one point one, one point two billion dollars split between. At this point, there's like four of them left. <laughs> that's a shitload of money. McLean, he's shooting on the rooftop, which catches the attention of the FBI agents. The hostages run down the steps. They run past the hang Carl, which I thought was pretty funny because they just <laughs> see this guy, this dead guy hanging. That's when they real he realizes that the roof is getting ready to blow and then that's when we get what I think is probably the most iconic shot of this entire movie with him taking the fire hose and using it to swing from the roof of the building down into the lower floor jumping as the top of the building explodes and i i, I, mm-hmm. I just there's one thing that we lost over is like on his way up when john's running up up to the roof he just kind of almost like passively just shoots one more terrorist on the stairs <laughs> yeah just like keeps running doesn't he even like blow up mad dog doesn't he just like his whole back just explodes well, yeah yeah mad dog he was the one that when was he on runs there. onto the roof for the first time he just he just blows him away yeah. and his blood's all over the camera it's well he's crazy. tired he's tired of like doing it the bravado way he just wants to get the hell out at this point yeah. he jumps off the top of the building as it blows up so i thought this scene was like is genuinely tense like every oh, yeah. time i watch it like i already know he's gonna it's gonna work out but when he finally lands on the the lower floor he breaks through the glass he shoots through it because he can't break through it with his feet yeah, and crashes through the heavy spool i guess that holds the hose falls and it starts pulling him down with it and he's like oh fuck i gotta untie the hose and that scene when he's sliding closer and closer to that window is really tense and it gets me every time no, the whole scene is extremely tense and, and i love his his acting as he's getting ready Ready to tie the hose around his body. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing, John? Yeah. What are you doing?" Like he doesn't believe that he's got a chance in hell of this like, working. Yeah, it's a crazy. He doesn't believe in idea. Christmas angels. <laughs> see this helicopter oh the helicopter gets blown the fuck up because yeah, they're flying too close Johnson and Johnson get destroyed yeah they're done and what does um, what does Dwayne explosion. say as soon as they blow up he's like gonna need more FBI guys they're, they're a dime a dozen yeah fuck him so the sprinklers turn on and all that shit Usher's still chilling in the limbo and he sees Theo suiting up he's putting on his paramedic suit yep. and getting ready to to take the ambulance out of that big ass truck they rolled in earlier Argyle or Usher or whatever Argyle. he fucking he fucking decides to take matters into his own hands and he just like rams right into him closing the door on him and kind of like probably injuring him slightly incapacitating him yeah well, and then just runs up punches him, punches in, the him head, in the jaw yeah. knocks him out shakes his fist shakes the pain loose and grins to himself and he's like yeah dude I fucking contributed <laughs> the next part we cut back to John who was on the floor that the party was on and I love this scene just because of how destroyed this oh whole the tracking shot when he's yeah, walking through the, uh, the grotto area where yeah. the water is that 
reminds me of a video game. Pick a game, any game. It's like a it's a scene right out of that. You walk a little bit through the water, something falls, someone runs by, like, gunshot, something pops. Like any game that's got like a tall building with like some kind of indoor fountain or yeah, Resident Evil Four is something I got of Uncharted. Like just pick one. Like and you can have an idea of what the scene looks like. Regardless, though, the scene looks great. Like it's I awesome. love the contrast the, in comparison to the beginning the red of the movie. Lighting that's all over the place. It looks cool. He approaches. John approaches Hans Gruber. He's using Holly as a as a human shield. He's got the machine gun. He he, he asks him like so exasperated. That's what this is about. Fucking robbery. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's got the machine gun. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. still Mr. Cowboy McLean, right? Did he say something like that? Yeah, he's got his wife. He says, yeah, it's exactly what he says, pretty much. You walk uh, off into the sunset like John Wayne with, what's her name? Some actress. And he's like, that's Gary Cooper, asshole. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Yippee like, Kaye, motherfucker. Yeah, as you say. He's so yeah. fucking good, but damn, they start laughing a little bit. They laugh for like five minutes. It's like, oh, I made a funny. Hour. I don't know. This, yeah. Oh man, two I, hours of just standing there <laughs> laughing. I I love this scene. And yeah, like, both these guys too. are like, are, yeah, just at the end of their ropes. They're just they've had enough. I love What's, the music that's playing like this kind of creepy, crazy Christmas belly jingle music. Yeah, <laughs> kind of losing their shit. It's been a little right prevailing. Now. Like it adds to the uh, insanity of the moment a little bit. It just, fits. Man. Oh yeah, yeah. He he walks in. He drops the machine gun because he's because uh, Hans Gruber has his wife. puts his hands on his head uh, after what's telling he him. The old t- gun there, pistol. Yeah, because he um, found duct some tape to his back. He found some <laughs> wrapping paper and some tape earlier, yeah. and he tapes his uh, handgun to his back, unbeknownst to the uh, remaining two bad guys at the time. How many bullets does he have left? One or two? I it's think like, he has it's two. two yeah. There's two. Okay. Because there's uh, there's Rickman and then uh, the other guy the texan uh receptionist guy that they had down yeah. on the first floor he oh, puts yeah. a bullet right through his head like clean shot right yeah, between, right between the, the eyes, eyes. Yeah. yeah and then he uh shoots hans in like the shoulder or the arm not enough to mortally wound him but enough to knock him off balance at which point he's still strapped to holly this whole time he's still strapped to holly mm-hmm. but he tumbles out back uh out the window, the window. yeah Oh yeah, he's hanging off of Holly's arm right off there. Off her, uh, off the watch. Yeah. which got to get rid of that Rolex that what, Alice gave it to her. Or no, um, did Bruce give it to her or did her boss give it? There to was her? maybe it was a Christmas. Yeah, it gift might have been Takagi company. gave yeah. it to her. Yeah, and he's holding on by yeah. her Rolex, and that's the only thing keeping Rickman from falling to his death. Holly's screaming like she's screaming like a banshee, which is understandable. She's very <laughs> that's <laughs> scary be, as hell, I'd man. Pretty, I'd be a little freaked out. <laughs> yeah, John McClane, he jumps over it to pull her up and then we cut to Hans Gruber looking up in slow motion. He's still got a gun in his hand. He starts to move the yeah, gun and then ready to shoot him. And unhooks that watch. Unhooks that watch and then it's just over. Like, he knows the look of surprise on his face it's is so, so priceless. Priceless. Yeah. It's it is so funny just to watch and, him uh, fall in slow motion like that. Get another sweet Paul Gleason quote as he's falling. I hope that's not a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. John and Holly, yeah, they make out a little bit. Yeah, they walk out. Yeah, that's when all the paper's falling when they're walking out. There's another scene. Isn't there, like, a lot of paper falling down? Yeah, they kind of walk yes, out of the it makes it look like it's snowing outside. Uh, yeah. 
the, the falling paper, yeah. A white Christmas after all. It's snowing. <laughs> it's a fucking miracle. At this Christmas scene, miracle. John and Al lock eyes. Al nods, attempting nod. And John limps his way closer to Al's gaze. Al smiles, giggles, and goes in for a bear hug as music swells. John appears to be crying. So happy. I fucking love how much attention you pay to, like, the bromance Oh, it's beautiful, man. Uh, because you're right. Like, you got it. Like, nailed it spot on. Yep, they got... They're down there on the ground floor. Um, they're welcomed with open arms, like, with the news reporters. Argyle shows up, and then fucking lieutenant comes over getting ready to give john a hard time yeah like, telling him oh you don't have no idea how much trouble you're in buddy you're gonna have detention for the rest of your life you're mine mclean <laughs> yeah <laughs> three months you're mine uh john however he, you think after all he's been through he's gonna put up with this no he rears back getting ready to punch this motherfucker mm-hmm. out at which point one of the one of the hostages that was covered in a blanket you hear a woman scream and whoa it's carl back oh, from the he, ju- he rises yeah. up like the fucking terminator <laughs> just like and like his hair's flying everywhere he had he had the blanket on him that was covering like his face yeah he pops up a little bit he looked a little bit like he throws the blanket off yeah and he like whips around with and that he's got, fucking, he's machine got the fucking machine gun. Machine <laughs> gun, and everyone freaks out. He takes aim at John McClane, and then you hear bang, bang, and it's yeah, and what did Al. you say? Like the final shot? Like he Al shoots loads him, all six he shoots rounds. him five times, and it's so loud in the mix. Like the last shot, especially, sounds like he set off a fucking can. It does. Yeah. Judge. That's not a Magnum fall. <laughs> yeah, that is. is. Yeah, I think that was a Taurus raging judge. <laughs> <laughs> but it blows him away and. Yeah. That it's him getting over his fear of using his gun because ever since he shot that little boy, he has never been able to use his firearm. That's just the weird sense I got. Is like where's the whole like the audience supposed to like stand up and cheer that this guy got the nerve to kill again after like slaughtering? <laughs> yeah, <some fish>. like <laughs> or it could be that or or is, is this supposed to be cool for for this character who's been here with us the whole movie to get to be the hero at the very end? Uh, I don't which know. Is cool. Because his but, yeah. his main flaw in the movie is just not being able to shoot a gun again. And by the end of the movie, he's able to shoot a gun again. I always thought that it was more he finally gets up the courage to uh, use his gun again. Because after everything that McLean get through, he went through. For oh, this motherfucker to show up at the last minute and then take his happy ending away from him, he's not having that. And that's where he gets the guts to use his gun and blow Carl. Yeah, I guess good. that's true. That gaze was pretty mighty. <laughs> Even John kind of, like, starts to understand, like, the position his wife has been taking on, like, herself, her, um, independence, and it's like, he introduces Holly as Holly Granero to Al, and, uh, and then she says Holly McLean afterwards, showing full circle there, so yeah. that's tied up. And after that, that's when the uh, reporter comes along, the, uh, greaseball reporter trying to, uh, get the scoop, and Holly just punches him in the face. Yeah, she does! She fucking slugs him, Fuck and then, you, uh, buddy. and of course, him ever the journalist did you get that is it all oh, he cares about yeah. he just wants to make sure that he got the shot it sounded like he was almost like sarcastically like he's making fun of his own catchphrase <laughs> <laughs> like a weird self-awareness thing yeah but uh yeah argyle pops out 
this fucking chariot awaits. <laughs> yeah, dude. And he's like, if this is your idea of Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's. Yeah, get a hot smooch on the lips. <laughs> Credits. And that is, yeah, that's Die Hard. Oh, yeah, Let yeah. It Snow plays this out. <laughs> and then we get some nice Beethoven, the Ode to Joy, which is a, a motif that is a music cue that's used throughout this movie. Yes, indeed. And yeah, it's pretty pretty nice. Let's still get me watching throughout the whole credits. And yeah, that was yeah. that is that. What do the real critics think about this movie, Die Hard? Die Hard represents the class of modern action pictures and the standard by which they must be judged. Few films falling into the mindless entertainment genre have as much going for them as this movie. Not only is it a thrill a minute ride, but it has one of the best villains in recent memory. A hero everyone can relate to, dialogue that crackles with wit, and a lot of very impressive pyrotechnics. James Bardinelli, Real Views. On a technical level, there's a lot to be said for Die Hard. It's when we get to some of the unnecessary adornments of the script that the movie shoots itself in the foot. Uh, Willis remains in constant radio contact with a police officer on the ground, Reginald Bell Johnson, who tries to keep his morale up. But then the filmmakers introduce a gratuitous and unnecessary additional character, the deputy police chief, Paul Gleason, (laughs) Who doubts that the guy on the other end of the radio is really a New York cop at all? Roger Ebert, the Chicago Sun Times. It piles every known element of the action genre onto the flimsy story of a New York cop who rescues hostages from the Los Angeles office tower on Christmas Eve. Partly an interracial buddy movie, partly the sentimental tale of ruptured marriage, the film is largely a special effects carnival full of machine gun fire, roaring helicopters, and an exploding tank. It also has a villain fresh from the Royal Shakespeare Company, a thug from the Bolshoi Ballet, and a hero who carries with him the smirks and wisecracks that help make Moonlighting a television hit. The strange thing is, it works. Die Hard is exceedingly stupid, but escapist fun. Karen James... (laughs) The New York Times. So it's great, but it sucks. Like, is that what he's saying? Pretty much. What the um, fuck? Yes. Just the, the idea is like so ludicrous, but he can't believe that it works. Which is, I guess, that's fair to say. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. expect a movie like this to be as popular as it is. I guess. Like, it's almost you, you as if a sort of fantasy. John, you want to be John McClane? Like, you want to be Batman, or you want to be the fucking Green Ranger, or some <laughs> shit? Like, it seems to fulfill that weird fantasy. I guess I could yeah it makes sense that it's as popular as it is oh yeah no I absolutely agree that it should be as it is I'm just trying to uh, wrap my head around that uh, review I guess oh yeah so yeah why would you guys rate Die Hard so what do I think about Die Hard? I don't know what I could say that hasn't been said already. The movie's really good, and I mean that completely. The movie is rewarding on all fronts. Visually, it's a feast. It sounds great. The sound is so well mixed in this movie. You, All the gunshots sound very big. All of the punches sound like they hurt. When the glass shatters, you feel every piece fall. The cinematography is really, really cool. It's interesting. The way the camera moves moves a lot. There's a lot of detail in almost every single shot, and there's a lot of motifs and themes that you could look for. Shit, I don't want to sound like a douchebag, but but there (laughs) is like a lot of, yeah, right? (laughs) But there is a lot of uh, cool things to look for in this movie. It's rewarding on multiple viewings. It never really gets old. It's always exciting. It's always exhilarating. The performances are great. Alan Rickman is a powerhouse in this movie. He's really fun to watch, but he's doing all of his different characters characters throughout the whole movie as you learn more about his backstory it's really cool bruce willis is a lot of fun he's kind of cocky kind of a shithead kind of a 
doofus, kind of a lovable dude. This is a really, really cool character. All the characters are great. They're all funny in their own ways. They're all interesting in their own ways. Even the side guy, like the terrorist who steals the candy bar and eats it. Like, that's kind of interesting, and that's in there if you want to see that. It's gory. It's got great effects in it, so if you're interested in that, yeah, it's a really good movie. I'd give it a solid, like, four out of five. As for me, this movie is fantastic. Like, this is right in my wheelhouse because I am a fan of action movies. If you have any kind of interest in any sort of action movies at all, I would highly, highly recommend watching this. It's one of the greats, and it is that for a reason. I'm pretty much going to mirror everything that Sean said in his review for, like, the characters, the special effects, the set design, all of that. It's all great, and it's one of those movies that you can watch over and over again and still still find little things that you didn't see before like I did on my most recent viewing I would say that I could give this a solid 5 out of 5. Absolutely recommend you watch this one. So what do I think about Die Hard? I think I'd give this movie a 4 out of 5. I don't think it was one of the best movies I've ever seen. I think it was it was really strong, though, in a lot of ways. I think the acting was good across the board. In Alan Rickman's case, I'd say it was great. He was just a, an excellent villain, a lot of fun to watch. It looked really good. Really liked the cinematography. Plot was interesting. It, I yeah, like I watched this movie one and a half, two times to do this uh, review. And watching it again was absolutely not a chore. I didn't mind at all that I just I was just watching stuff I'd just seen two days ago or whatever. I think some of the sheen was taken off for me because I, as a like 27 year old who's watched a lot of TV and shit I've seen this thing parodied and referenced to death so a lot of it was familiar in a way but that didn't really take much away from it yeah I, th- I would recommend this to any fans of action movies who have somehow not seen this I doubt there's really that many uh, is it my favorite action movie I don't know that might go more to like T2 or Robocop but it's up there or The Raid it's really not much I don't, didn't really have much bad to say about this movie trying to think of like shit that I didn't like but actually disliked about it and I don't know if there is anything yeah it's a yeah well-made fun movie kind of has a Christmas angle so has, I guess <laughs> again like last week if you're looking for a new Christmas movie this might be worth checking out it's pretty light on the Christmas stuff it's, uh, yeah it's pretty much in the background it's kind of yeah it's kind of the background noise I guess this it was basically in this movie to they needed to have a reason to have a party because that was the how the movie started out and I guess it really <laughs> Really could have just as easily been New Year's Eve or fucking Fourth of July or, or a Halloween party or a masquerade ball yeah, or something. But in the end, it was Christmas. <laughs> yeah, another a note I took was that it was good enough that it made me interested in seeing the sequels. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I've been meaning to, because, yeah, Keith here for Christmas can be a pretty awesome gift. And the John McClane collection with the, uh, <laughs> the first four films. So it's pretty soon here I think I'm going to dive into Die Hard 2. So, yeah, four out of five. All right. Ooh, it's yeah, done. Fucking finally, finally finished so, this yeah, episode. This, <laughs> holy crap. Yeah, this thing was 65 million years in the making. Been recording for three hours and, oh, yeah, three hours and 12 minutes. Ooh, baby. So, shitballs. Titty bitch. McBitch. Yeah, sweaty <laughs> dick tits. Uh, yeah, shitting dick nipples and sweaty wieners. Oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. Centipede my vagina? It's more likely than you <laughs> think. Oh, shit. So, join us again for another Shrek-tastic episode. Oh, We will be reviewing damn. 2001's 
Shrek. Oh, that's oh. right. That is next week. That is next time, isn't it? Yeah. This is going to be a fun one. It'll be way different. It'll be an interesting change of pace, saw. I think. It'll be cool. Have uh, you guys seen this before? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, only, only like once. And it was a pretty new movie. Yeah, that's so, what I saw. Yeah, I would be kind of wondering how well I'm going to remember it. I think I remember it pretty well. But yeah. This was a while back. I haven't seen it for a while, but I have seen it quite a few times, so it'll be fun to go through it again and see what kind of like pops back into my mind as I watch it. All right, so thank you guys for listening, and uh, join us next week when we take it on Shrek. It's going to be an oversized episode for y'all. Feel our pungent, oniony love. <laughs> so just remember that Mondo Cool Movie Dudes are life, love, Fuck. Life, love, peace, love, and and chicken grease, son. And we'll see you next time.